As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of The Emma Gunn Show. In this episode, I'm joined by Davinia Taylor. This is another episode and show brought to you by you. I posted on Instagram who you would like to hear on the show and several listeners said you'd like to hear from Davinia Taylor. So I contacted her, we exchanged some texts, we chatted on the phone and then we booked ourselves in to record. So thank you, you very much helped make this show happen. Davinia's story is a really interesting and an inspiring one. In the late 1990s and early 2000s, Davinia, who starred in one of the UK's um, primetime soap operas, was at the epicentre of probably the coolest social circle in London, possibly even the world. I'm saying this as someone who, like most people who know about the Primrose Hill set, looked on through the lens of the tabloid press, but from the outside, I mean, it looked like a lot of fun. Supermodel best friends, Oscar-nominated pals, rock star buddies, chart-topping chums. Every night was every party you've ever wanted to be invited to. And the reports of the antics, shall we say, are still legendary to this day. But as history has taught us, you burn bright, you burn out. And at some point, the party has to come to an end. Depending on how you look at it, though, Davinia became something of the fall guy of the scene. When the party stopped, the headlines didn't, and what once looked glamorous and hedonistic was suddenly painted in a very different light. I don't want to regurgitate salacious tabloid headlines on this podcast, but even I remember at the time a certain glee that accompanied that accompanied the stories that reported the demise, in inverted commas, of that particular group of friends. Look at her now, and she's in the picture of health. She's over 10 years sober, focuses on healthy eating, exercise, and living her best life with her husband and four children, and has found her stride with running. It's a long time since the headlines, and in this episode we talk about what's happened in those years in between, how she fought for her sobriety, how the headlines affected her, her experiences with postnatal depression, and why if you're going to screw up, you're best off doing it in your 20s. We cover an awful lot of ground in this episode, episode, in this Australian episode, we cover a lot of ground in this episode, so all of the links will be in the show notes. And in one part, Davinia mentions the MTF, HR gene and folic acid. And a couple of hours after we recorded, she texted me saying, oh, I meant folate. 
So I'm going to try and put uh, correct links um, to everything that we talked about in the show notes so that you're steered in the right direction. We're talkers. We were both talkers. We're obviously trying to say the right thing. So if you do think, oh, I'm not too sure about that, check the show notes because I've probably righted it in there. Again, I'll add these links in the show notes to everything and you can find that on emmaguns.com, iTunes, Acast and wherever else it is that you are. I don't mean iTunes, I mean Apple Podcasts. You can find the show notes on um, Apple Podcasts, Acast and wherever else it is that you are listening to, downloading and streaming this episode. It's also where you can subscribe so you never miss a show. I really enjoyed recording this episode. I learned an awful lot and I felt really motivated afterwards and actually did a brilliant run after we taped the show on a day when I wasn't feeling particularly like I was going to do a particularly good run. Um, And I hope that that's how you feel after listening to it too. So here she is, uh, her debut. I hope she comes back at some point. Here she is, Davinia Taylor on The Emma Gunn Show. I'm very pleased that we... uh, that I have you on the show and I'm very pleased that we've already been talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Naturally. It's <laughs> Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? Yes. It, no, it's, it's Thursday it's today. Bear with me. No, it's one of those weeks. It's an awful week. And it's the preamble to Christmas as well. So everything feels like it's well, just... Well, it's my birthday week. So I'm now like going back in time technically. So, you know, I'm now <laughs> regressing back into my thirties somehow by buying like teen stuff, <laughs> accessories, etc. Happy birthday. Cheers for that. Did you, did you do you enjoy it? Do you enjoy the passing of the years? I think now now out? I'm into my forties. It's just like oh, is it? Is that it now? <laughs> okay, bring it on. I've done the milestone, and next time it's fifty, and now that's a that's a bit of a kick in the balls, I suppose. But forty um, one's okay, you know. It's nice. I, can, I can say, look, I've lived. I've you know, I've got the CV. So <laughs> you know, people sort of like actually when you get into your forties because your thirties. I think they're like a transition, aren't they? Because, you know, you've got your 20s that most of us don't really remember. Mm -hmm. And then your 30s, I certainly sort of like was getting sober. I mean, I was sober, I was dry, but getting sober Mm. by like mentally finding myself. The two different things, aren't they? Totally, yeah. And then when you hit 40, people just go, if they ask how old you are, you say, yeah, I'm 40. And they're like, okay then. And there's this kind of like (laughs) unspoken respect that you've made it this far, you know? And it's like, okay, fair enough. I can listen to what you got to say. If someone's like 25 or something like that, you just think, oh, you just, even though if they've been to hell and back, you instantly think, oh, you know nothing. You know nothing. I have wisdom. Anyone who tells me their age and they're between 25 and 30, I go, oh, great age, great age. (laughs) Because it just feels like I don't really know what else to say. Great age. (laughs) I don't remember it. So, I mean, I'm like thinking, what was I doing back then? Trying photographic memory? No, no, it's gone. Well, let's talk about that because if you Google Davinia Taylor, Mm um lots and of i have <laughs> just to try Why and keep would you do that to just yourself? to keep myself sober <laughs> <laughs> what not to do i used some shocking pictures on there it's a belter but having said that it was just the paparazzi back then now it's your mates with yeah, the phone. Yeah, yeah. i mean fuck i could have been really screwed <laughs> like some mates had a camera phone but when i was back drinking so i stopped drinking when i was 31 Mm -hmm. so uh yeah this is like my 10th year so that was like phones weren't quite as good it was about who had the smallest phone yeah it wasn't a smartphone it didn't take pictures or anything so there was no photographic evidence thank the lord it was more like that that it had tetris or the snake thing yeah exactly and you had to and took ages to text you know so um it was uh no it was it was fine basically i mean my friend jenny she, uh, she, she lives in Ibiza now and she's like moved everything from London and she found a bin bag full of like disposable cameras. 
she's and this is like I think she's been over there like nearly like nine years or something she's still not had it developed I was going to say, is she pulled an Anne official on Instagram? I mean, can you ask Jenny, what? She goes, I'm too scared to go to the pharmacia. <laughs> it's like, come on, Jenny, it's Ibiza, bloody hell, you know. But... She's going to have to bring them back here, <laughs> yeah. get someone else to develop them, and then just try and disassociate, just in case. Just in case. So, yeah, I mean, I was pretty lucky in that respect, that there's, no, there's only paparazzi evidence, which was generally falling outside of a pub or a club or someone's house, but it wasn't what was going on inside the house that got me in that state in the first <laughs> yes. place yes and if you're gonna do it do it in your 20s like at least those pat pictures you had like you know great collagen level <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything was naturally there yeah my, my yeah i mean if you are gonna like take something to the extreme do it while your body's still rejuvenating mm. i mean it's tough now like like you were saying earlier like a hangover is not like it was when you're in your 20s mm. i mean i don't know now but in mm. your 40s even my mates say to me god i'm screwed for three days yeah and it is because your liver has just run out of glutathione. It just can't produce it anymore as fast. So it's basically, it's not a hangover. It's, it's not the alcohol that's done it. It's the fact that you've run out of glutathione, the antioxidant. So if we could all get IVs with glutathione, you'd probably feel better. So, you know, you've become a professor in the body, oh, which is amazing. But, um, yeah, so you Google you, you see, you see, you were, what were you called, the party girl? You were like, she's part of the Primrose Hill set. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, I've got to say, I used to read the paper and think, that looks flipping amazing. I'd love to be at that party. Well, it was. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't have kept doing it. Yeah. It was great every single night, you know? Mm. I mean, it was just around the corner from here. I got my first house. I bought Supernova from Meg and Noel. Um, and, you know, I was like integrated mm. into this sort of society this was quite a secret society yeah uh, and it was based on you know a lot of trust and a lot of a lot of like-minded sort of like very humorous very talented people mm. and I managed to sort of like infiltrate this I don't know how this northerner who's like you know sort of like bit part actor managed to get in with all this well lot and, you were on primetime telly though I know but it was an actor you know <laughs> so I've always, you know I wasn't treading the boards darling <laughs> we're surrounded by these mega talents mm. So I was a little bit in awe myself, you know, well, totally in awe. Mm. And like, seriously, the funniest people you've ever met, you know, I mean, there's, I mean, there's, I have had hilarious nights because like, there's so many natural born performers. Mm. Someone who's just like Jules Holland would be on the piano or something like this, you know, it's just like, what the actual, I mean, I'm from (laughs) Wigan, you know, and you know, you don't often get that on a Friday night, you know, you, I mean, having said that. Being brought up in Wigan and going out in Wigan on a Friday night is still my favourite memories. You know, really? we're like, yeah, absolutely. I still, I still, I'm still in touch with my friends from back up there, and you know, it is the best time trying to get into a club underage and all that. <laughs> yeah. You know, once the rites I, of passage. It is, and it's still the best time. Mm. Honestly, I still, I, I mean, I, I remember moving down to London because I always wanted more. That's that's the nature of yeah. me. I always wanted more and better and better, and I wanted to yeah. be in the VIP bit, and then I wanted to be in the office, and then I wanted to have the party back at my house, and it just went on. Whereas really, the best time was managing to get in age seventeen without being asked for ID to some <laughs> awful club called Prince's or whatever, or Tokyo Joe's or Ritzy or whatever it was called. Mm. You know, they're the best nights, but you don't know that when you're seventeen. No, you don't know that. But that, but that did look like, it looked like a lot of fun. It made the papers and it must have been, you said it was quite secret. It must have been quite thrilling and exciting constantly. Well, being an only child, I didn't, I don't have any sort of siblings, you know, obviously. And I do now, actually, I've got uh, two little brothers, but, um, 
growing up alone, I always craved that sort of family and that camaraderie. Mm. I've had a best friend since school, you know. Mm. I've, I've still got her. She's still my like my, my soul sister, I suppose. But um, it was nice to belong mm. and to something that was exclusive. And it was like a little click, a little secret language mm. sort of thing. And, you know, it was every night. And we were really, really close. You know, we... Um, we I mean, <sighs> Yeah, and it was 24 hours, mm. you know? And it was, a, I mean, looking back, it's completely codependent <laughs> and totally unhealthy and no boundaries. But back then I felt, wow, this is great fun and yeah. it's refreshing. And, you know, there was, the, the, there was no pause button, never mind a stop button. And that suited me just fine because yeah. I had the energy and the adrenaline to just crack on. Yeah, and the sort of feeling of invincibility as, as well as like the party never has to stop because no, we can keep going. No, because I mean, who would? Mm. Who'd stop? Who wouldn't wake up and like, you know, have a glass of and crack on? <laughs> Creativity. The thing is, it's everything I imagined it was. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I mean, you have, I mean, it's basically, it's just like, a, it's just like a little club, isn't it? Mm. Like a school club. There's the bitchiness, the outsiders, there's them and us. And yeah. of course, you know, it's, it's all like uh, behind closed doors and, and super stylish as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the dress-up parties are just fabulous. I mean, obviously, I couldn't fit into Kate's clothes, but I could fit into her shoes, so that was fine. <laughs> I love shoes. They always fit. Yeah, they always fit. Shoes and, shoes handbags. and handbags. Yeah. So you were you moved down to London, but this was after... Was that after you'd finished on Hollyoaks? Yeah. Okay. Finished on Hollyoaks. Did a... Um, let's see. Did a, a bit of sort of presenting, tried that, and then um, bought my first property which is, um, that's kind of like how I make my money now with mm. property. And um, I've got properties in Spain that my late mother left me. And that's how I, I, I generate revenue. Mm. You know, I rent them out, which I'm very blessed and lucky to have because my husband's a builder. Mm. And so he does all the repairs and he learned Spanish as well. So that's handy. That's um, really handy. Unlike moi. Uh, <laughs> that's French. Um, <laughs> and... Um, so yeah, basically that, that that's what that's what I did. I was lucky enough to um, to buy that house from them, and um, then that was it. I, I, I was in the I was in the scene. Sadie moved opposite Sadie Frost mm. with her um, kids, and yeah, we, we had a ball actually, just walking to from each other's I houses bet. and flip flops. If we bothered with flip flops, <laughs> you know, but all very sort of like sort of um, hippie-ish actually, mm. and you know. Probably a bit like my experience on campus. When I, like, <laughs> Do you know what it was? It was a bit... Because none of us went to university. Mm. And so it was basically growing up, yeah. you know, with excessive amounts of, like, partying and access to all this sort of, like, any gig you wanted to go to yeah. or any party, you wanted, any fashion show you wanted to go to. It was access all areas. And mm. who's going to say no? And I think the thing that when I look at all of the headlines and I look at you now, I think it would have been easy to... And obviously there was a period of hitting rock bottom, mm -hmm. but it wasn't just because of that. There were other things, there were other factors, but it would be easy for that to end and to never feel like, to feel like the best had already happened. Yeah. Whereas I definitely get the impression from you that you've been through it and now the best is ahead of you. Yeah. I mean, I'm currently at my healthiest, mm. which is a gift because I can feel it. Whereas Back then, mm. I was drinking to feel healthier, to feel energized. I mean, I've, I've looked into why on earth would someone like me choose to drink to excess? Why wouldn't I just be happy waking up, mm. fit, healthy, two arms, two legs, two eyes? You know, or th where's the gratitude? Where is it? And mm. I think I was born like with a, a, a depletion in a certain gene mm -hmm. and a certain ability to absorb vitamin B12, literally chemical mm. stuff, chemical imbalances, yeah. which people often put down to, oh, well, 
you're spoiled, you've had an overindulgence, you've this, that, and the other. I mean, they're all factors, of course, but if mm. you don't feel well, of course you're going to hook onto something that does make you mm. feel normal. Yeah. So if you're predisposed to something that makes you feel a little bit sub, of course you're going to ha- hang on to something that makes you feel chatty, energised, mm-hmm. awake. Otherwise you're like, you're low, and who, who wants to stay like that? And until, I mean probably the next 20, 30 years, they'll find a cure. Mm-hmm. But right now, we're in sort of like a grey area of what causes addiction? What causes, you know, uh, people with a, a predisposition to be depressed without trauma? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, there's no real trauma in my life. I mean, I, I know people, I've been through the rooms of AA, I've heard horrific stories. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you think, bloody hell, well, what's my problem then? Mm-hmm. And it's just genetically, chemically, I'm not quite there, mm-hmm. you know? So... It's just a survival thing. You drink to survive mm. because it makes you feel alive. And um, I think uh, hopefully in the next 20, 30 years, my children, if they've got my gene mm. uh, imprint, they'll know how to navigate it mm. without having to hit the bottle and lose your mind and do damage to your liver and do damage to your brain cells. Mm. They'll find a way because it's the biggest disease in the world, addiction. Mm. It's bigger than cancer. It's bigger than AIDS. It kills more people Mm. because it's not just drinking. It's drugs. It's gambling. It's sex. It destroys lives. Mm. You know, people just hooking on to try and get some dopamine to make them feel normal. And this is, and if you have too much dopamine, it can do one thing. If you have too little, it can do one thing. So it's finding that everyone is totally Mm. different and you can't just like blanket medicate people because we're all genetically different. Mm. Don't even get me started on the gut because that's a whole different genetic thing going on in there. We will touch on that at some point. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. We literally know F all. Mm. When, when you were a party girl and listeners, I'm using air quotes, it's horrible, that word, isn't it? Parting oh, up. <laughs> but when... Okay, so let's talk in your 20s. Well, let's face it, I was hardly doing a nine-to-five. So yes, we'll <laughs> stick with party girl. Um, so it, people around you might have said, Davinia likes a drink or she can, she can drink. But when did somebody say, or when did you realise what came first? This isn't about liking to have a drink. This is about needing to have a drink. And there's something a little bit more serious underlying or underlying here. I mean, it's... Well it's kind of like such a gray area for a few years because I knew that if I got up I'd feel like crap I went with a hangover I'd feel like crap so you go to bed at four or five o'clock whatever you pass out and so you're up again at 11 you're gonna feel shabby but I go okay hang on till lunch and then Mm. I'll have a glass of and boom I'm back in the room I'm fine (laughs) literally Wow. I just like, you know, have some breakfast. I remember being super dehydrated, just guzzle like a liter of orange juice. And then, and then we go, okay, right, okay, let, let, let's go for some lunch. I know, let's go for Japanese, that's healthy, but we'll have sake as well. <laughs> right, And yeah. what I'm really after is that retox mm. that will make my brain function again and get me out the haze, get me out the brain fog and make me feel up again, get mm. the dopamine levels up. Somehow alcohol balances my dopamine easily you know wow. now now I run mm. but then I never ran because <laughs> who ran you know you know it, it, it wasn't like kind of like the done thing we, I didn't realize I needed to do that you know yeah. and, obvi- and so um yeah that's what I was searching for even on a subconscious way I didn't mm. realize it that's oh yeah we'll go for lunch and I'll have that and then I'll feel better mm. and it was so subtle mm. how how that addictive brain works that it'll, it'll get you mm. any which way and my way was alcohol it wasn't nicotine but not addicted to that, wasn't drugs, not addicted to that, wasn't addicted to sex, wasn't addicted to gambling, never put a bet on in my life. I have and I've lost, but I, it just doesn't give me that. Yeah. That chemical 
is in the alcohol. And I don't know what it is because it's too complex. Mm. You know, we don't know what's going on with my neurons, what's going on with my gut mm. that makes that work. That's my antidote for my dopamine. Mm. Unfortunately, I found running, which is a lot easier to do. And you don't get the come down or the hangover or the chaos. Mm. But I wish someone had told me that, you know, that there's a chemical imbalance. That's why you're doing it. Yeah, you, I mean, you, had to, you have to find out the hard way. Why don't freaking doctors say that? You know, why don't they, why, why, why am I not like told that this is, this is, you know, this could be genetic, mm-hmm. not, oh, go and talk about it. What happened in your childhood? Nothing, mm. you know, so I, I don't get it. You know, this, this is why I, I think so many people have problems with addiction and, and labeling themselves mm. because it's like, it comes with trauma and shame and guilt and something you, you might just be pre-wired that way. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's addiction to food, for example, but there's also Massive. emotional eating. Yeah. So, and they're two different things. Yeah. So I completely understand. You're right. You don't have to find a trauma to explain why you like a drink necessarily. I mean, I've had tons of trauma. I mean, you could say that as soon as the press started like outing me for doing X, Y, and Z, mm. humiliation and stuff like that. I mean, that's traumatic. Yeah. But bloody hell, you know. I think it's that. That's just ego. That's just a bit of vanity. I think you know. But there's still no need to drink yourself into a grave because the press badmouthed you. You know, I mean, it's sort of like massive abuse. So, so you just you go through this through your head, why, 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 why? And yeah. now I've just come to the conclusion that genetically that's how I'm predisposed. When the press started going for you, because they did, they went from for, the age of seventeen. Yeah, they went for you, they went for Kate, and they went for Sadie. Yeah. Did they? Did it go from drinking to get that dopamine hit to drinking for oblivion? No, we weren't bothered about the press per se. They were just there. They were yeah. just like necessary evil, and we just assumed that that was going to happen. And to be honest, we never even read the read the papers. <laughs> yeah, we just we thought there was so, someone was selling stories within the group, mm-hmm. so that was normally the topic of conversation. Right, who is it? Who is it? Yeah, but we were we were more bothered about like who's who's doing what to who, and it's just like a typical girl group, you know. Right. It's like you know, it's just it is. It's just exactly the same, except it's in Primrose Hill. Yeah, you know, every so you put like a group of ten women together and a few guys, you know, you, you're gonna get so, you famous, good looking, rich. Well, but like, not even that, you know, any group. It's just any group in any social situation. It all it, we all bicker. But you look at something like Gossip Girl. Yeah. And it was basically, it's a similar thing, isn't yeah. it? It's just very easy to watch and look at and get involved yeah. in. And that's basically yeah. what happened to your group yeah. with the newspapers. Yeah. So um, it was easy fodder, wasn't it? I suppose. And, you know, that that's, I, I'd read it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd read it. God, who am I? I'm not above all that. I love it. I don't care. I don't, I don't buy magazines or anything like that. But, you know, if I'm in bed and there's nothing mm-hmm. on TV or Matthew's having an argument with Netflix and we're not getting a signal, <laughs> I'll boom, straight to the mail. Let's have a look down the column yeah, of shame. Yeah, yeah. You go, oh, look at this. And I've been a victim of the mail millions of times. I know it's a load of bullshit, but I'm like, oh, look at that, Matthew. And he's like, what are you doing reading that? It's entertaining. It is, it is entertaining. It? I wish it wasn't. I know, but I that's, wish it was that's how is. we all are. And we do compare and despair as well, because mm-hmm. I'll, I'll look at someone who's lost their baby tum in like six minutes, and <laughs> you're just like, oh, why can't I do that? Because it, basically it's not true, mm. number one. But, you know, you do. That, I, I don't know if why, why, we're just like, it's looking at a car crash, isn't it? Literally, you just exactly. put yourself through it all the time. It's just amplified. And, it's all, and the thing is as well, it's been so Sickos. distorted in recent years, because back in the day it used to be, 
following people around and getting stories and now it's everyone's so complicit and like the Kardashians take their own pictures airbrush them and then feed them so it's all I this oh yeah at least you, but at least you, at least you can have an airbrush you know it was awful you'd look at a picture <laughs> and it'd say oh curvy divinia and you go you everyone knows what curvy means yeah you know yeah. you're bollocks we had I remember that that was in a magazine once and uh, I was at Kate's house and I said look at this and she went oh curvy divinia and we all went <laughs> oh, I don't know what that means and I think it was James Brown who was like um uh, he, he was like our personal stylist I and mean, we weren't going anywhere of course we were just getting dressed up to sit in the kitchen but he was like oh, that's it you can't eat any more if they're calling you curvy <laughs> you know so. no by mouth for Davinia. I said you can sod off so get me a burger it's a yeah. curse well this is it but you know I was I was never one of the thin, thin of the group but anyway but I mean, we can come on to the fact that you have channeled a lot of your energy into your body, and you are in great nick. But when did when did the party stop? Um, okay, I think. Well, the catalyst was me deciding that you know, um, David and I, my ex husband and I, mm-hmm. couldn't be together. We couldn't, couldn't be together anymore. It was kind of like a loveless relationship, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and then the the divorce. That was that was it, and mm. I, I, you know, I I couldn't stop drinking because obviously I was going through a divorce. I'd mm. left, I'd left the home, uh, stormed out, and um, went to live with my mum and started di- divorce proceedings, and then realised I couldn't stop drinking, even you know, even right. to, to to fight for custody, to fight for my money, to fight for my house, mm. and I couldn't think straight, and I, I just could not, I, I couldn't put the drink down. I'd become so dependent on it, and I, I it was then mm. I had no idea. Wow. I had no idea. I just thought, oh, I'll just drink red wine. <laughs> oh, I'll just have it at the weekends. Or, oh, you know, all this. And once you realise, if you've got to control something, there's a problem. Mm. And it's as simple as that, you know. And um, and it, I had no idea about it, you know, being genetic or mm. epigenetic or a chemical imbalance. So you kind of like literally white knuckle it without any knowledge. Mm. And that's the scariest thing. All you know is you're having your dopamine, mm. your functional chemical taken away from you Mm. and you will feel like shit so did you as soon as you stopped drinking did you just hit the skids in a massive way just emotionally and mentally yeah absolutely um um, and i got to a point where if i put the drink down i'd go into a seizure because my body was physically dependent on it not not drugs people always think that's associated with drugs so if you come off alcohol suddenly if you come off heroin Mm -hmm. suddenly you're going you're gonna to get the shakes. If yeah. you're going to come off cocaine, you'll get the shakes. And if you come off alcohol suddenly, mm. you can die. Yes, we know and that, yeah. So that's exactly what happened to me. I woke up in A&E because I'd, I'd, um, <clears throat> my mum had um, told me to go get some tea bags. And I woke up in A&E because I was detoxing so fast and my body just couldn't function without that chemical in the alcohol. And uh, I'd split my lip open. I'd just face-planted the floor and woke up in A&E after having an alcoholic seizure and split my face open, literally on the floor. And this is this wasn't falling over drunk. This is withdrawing. Yeah. And I had no idea. Doctor never told me that. You don't read that on a website. You don't... It's not... You know, there's a massive epidemic of mm. women all drinking too much at wine o'clock. Mm. And they don't... Know, you don't know how to come off it safely. Mm. Of course your body's going to crave it. It needs it to function. Mm. I blacked out. I stopped functioning. I faced on the floor, on mm. the pavement, and some stranger called 999. I had no idea. And this is just through alcohol. 
Not class A drugs, not class B drugs, nothing. Just mm. alcohol, regular wine, you get an off license. Did that to me. And I had no idea That's of scary. that consequences. None. And I'm just a normal middle class person, you know. I'm not like some like junkie on the street. Just literally. Yeah. And, and, and that's what happened. And I had no idea that that's what it could do to you until it happened to yeah. me. And you think, well, why is this not normal? Why is this not general knowledge? And that's harsh as well because you realise you had to stop. So you, you stop, do. And, and then, then that happens. So, but even having that mental process of, I think I need to stop drinking... That's a, big, that's a big enough thing. And then you wake up in A&E. Yeah, with your face stitched up. Jeez. At the time that you're going through a divorce that the papers are very happily reporting on regularly. Yeah. And you, you took a big hit, let's face it. You, you, you um, tick a lot of boxes in terms of newspaper fodder, in terms of beautiful, rich, young, famous, all of, the, all of these things. And it, it's horrible to go back and look at them, but I was reading some of them before we met. And there was a glee in pulling you to pieces. Yeah. And... That, I don't know how you could have known that was going on and not been really broken by it. But you've got yeah, these other the, layers the, the, going the, on the, Yeah, because there is, a, there is a thing about the typical alcoholic mm. is you've got low self-esteem. And the mm. reason why you drink is because you want people to like you because you're so nervous of them not liking you. So you drink to try and entertain them. Yeah. And it's that, please love me, please yeah, love me. Yeah. And meanwhile, you've got every journalist just annihilating you, saying what a sport brat you are, how you overindulge, how you don't deserve to be a mother. X, Y, and Z, you know, how you should have everything taken off you. Mm. And, you know, you should literally be spat out. And thought, so you never even met me. Please, like, please be my friend. Mm. Please be my friend. And, like, literal massive rejection, yeah. which just perpetuates more drinking, you know. And I think my mum used to, like, try and hide it from me. But I knew what was mm. being said about me. I mean, I've had it all my life, you know. I mean, of course you can deal with, like, playground jealousies. But then it kind of, like, when it's national and, you, and you've got humiliation and fear and mm. everything and no alcohol to hold on to to make you feel a little bit more confident mm. I mean that it, it, it's really tough and you know it's taken me years to dig myself out of that hole without any guidance you know um th there's no sort of like blueprint mm. for you to follow to make me feel as good as I do now and why didn't someone tell me go for a run in the park friggin hell mm. you know just do it do you think if someone had said that to you at the time though that the running would have felt the same way or do you think you've needed the sobriety for, for for a few years for the running to feel as good as it does no i think i think it, I, I i needed it at the beginning mm. i think i absolutely needed to understand that i can create my own uh internal dopamine yeah i can create that happy feeling i mean i did it today i went for a quick run this morning mm. <clears throat> ran up to the top of Primrose Hill and then um, there was a, a gang of girls doing a hit class up there which I thought how nice you <laughs> yeah. know and then I just ran down and I was thinking about I'm going to talk to you and I thought this is the closest I feel to having that first glass of wine I was just running down the hill I thought it's exactly the same same feeling of confidence the inner monologue's clear I've got energy I feel positive there's no gnarly little mm. sort of niggling I could forgive anyone of virtually everything for that sort of like five minutes as I was just running. Yeah. And I thought, and do you know what? I don't get a hangover as well. Why didn't someone explain that to me? For the love of God, I spent thousands on rehab. Mm. I spent thousands getting divorced. And I could have just gone for a frigging run. <laughs> but, uh, but I think in society, we're very much like from the age of like 15 when girls get forced to do cross country. Mm. It, you just think, no way. 
I'm not doing that. And I was brought up in that sort of like 90s ladism, you know, that yeah. sort of ladette culture. There was no way anyone was going to a gym. I think people who are in their 20s now have a better shot at it, at finding fitness and finding oh, movement yeah. than we did. Oh, yeah, wellness is a thing now, whereas you even look at what, what, what you wear to the gym now, what you wear to run now, and what I would have worn to the gym when I was 20, and it would have been like a band T-shirt and tracksuit bottom. <laughs> really baggy to falling off yeah. you got on, probably with a, a packet of fags in marble light you know type thing but even if you look at um like remember when madonna did the the blonde ambition tour and she used yeah. to run around high park she was wearing like cycling shorts that yeah. was another one yeah and a big oversized t-shirt and now she'd be all like trussed up in lululemon and all sorts of, course, of stuff now it's a thing isn't yeah it? i mean you go on right. school run and i don't see anybody who's not in lycra like I said before, my kids look at me and go, what are you wearing that for if I'm not in a tracksuit? Really? like, ooh, you look creepy. <laughs> Don't like you dressed up like that, you know. But I think there, there is an opportunity to get into that as a first... I mean, it's a sort of catch-22. If you're depressed, you find it so hard to go out. Mm. But I think that's when you need someone to step in, an intervention. Mm. And not just pack someone off to rehab. It doesn't necessarily work. Were you, were you given an intervention? Yeah. I was given... I was given an intervention by my friends who were still drinking <laughs> at one point. I just thought, sod off. Was that you after know? the face planting? After no, the no. That, that face planting was when it got serious. That was when I was on my own. That's right. when David and I were speaking. That's when all my sort of Primrose Hill friends disappeared as well. Mm. And that was when it was just mum and I. I was going to ask about that. Like when the party stopped for you, i.e. when you stopped drinking, did everyone disappear? Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. And um, that's, that's fucking brutal. Yeah, for sure. But then you sort of go, how could I be friends with these people anyway? They're all still doing what I was doing. And that's mm. what got me in this predicament in the first place. You know? Mm. So you have to change your friends. Yeah. yeah. And you have to change your habits. And fortunately for me, I can now give advice on how to fast track it. It doesn't have to take 10 years, you know, and divorces and mm. God knows what and custody battles and... Losing money and, you know, literally you've got to just take care of internally, find out what's going on with you. Mm. Do as many tests as you can, you know, and literally find out your biology. Yeah. You know, before you have to go through all that, it's bloody long-winded, you know, going through all, uh, losing friends and family and it's, 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 really it's just horrible. a lot. And it's another, more rejection. Mm. But you know what? It, it, it was a gift, you know? I mean, what, what do they say? Um, rejection's God's protection, but it's pretty tough to swallow when you're like, I've got literally no one. Well, it's a lot on top of a lot on top of a lot. And if you do go and you put your name into a search engine, it will come back. And one of the first things you will see is custody battle, lost custody. And again, um, the newspapers like to just twist the knife on that, but yeah. that's not necessarily 100% accurate. And the picture yeah. that's been painted of you is not Accurate. Well, no, I had to, I had to, because I wanted, to, I needed to go to rehab. So mm. I tried rehab before in the UK and it's really, really expensive. Mm. It's silly money, you know? And instead, my mum, God bless her, she, uh, she found somewhere in South Africa. It's, it's much, much cheaper down there and much more hardcore. And it's brutal. And you have your credit card taken off you, you have your phone taken off you, you have your passport taken off you, and I'd never been to Africa. 
So I didn't even know my way around to manipulate myself out. Because any addict, will get they, they'll get the way out. Mm. They'll find the way out. And yeah. they will find terra firma and they will hook onto another alcoholic and they will go off, you mm. know. And I will find my way home, something like a homing pigeon, to the nearest <laughs> pub. I mean, it's so easy to walk out the Priory. So easy. There's a pub down the road, you know, and oh you jump on the tube, you're there. There's, that's always in the back of your head, yeah. so you can't clear yourself. So when I'm in the middle of South Africa not knowing anyone and pretty much isolated um yeah there's 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 no back door there's no way out so you go okay the only way forward is through this that's very confronting yeah yeah so um that must amplify the experience massively to know to know you've not got that Mm. crutch yeah Mm. and you've not got your mum there to pick you up and you've not got you you just can't there's no phone Mm. there's no manipulation at all so so that was the issue the fact that you were going to go away for a while so, so what I had to do is I had to then surrender custody. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Dave, my, my lawyer said, listen, we, we can fight this if you want to, but you need to surrender custody because you're going away for three months. Mm-hmm. I had to do that. The papers got hold of it and all of a sudden I've lost custody. And you can't ever rewrite it because that's the headline. Yeah. But I mean, that'll, I mean obviously my son will read that and I'll have to explain it. Mm-hmm. Say, no, of course I didn't lose custody. I, I had to give, surrender it because David insisted he mm. wanted all the rights, and mm. then I had, to, and then I had to fight for it back. You know, cost fortune to fight for it back, mm. but I got it back in the end. But bloody hell, with that on your shoulders as well, it's it's just one thing after the the next. I mean, I I mean the the depths that that I can imagine, and you you might be made of much stronger stuff than me, so I'm only I'm trying to walk in your shoes, but I. Like how did you? Were there, was there a time when you couldn't get out of bed, or when you just were like, "What's the point?" Um, strangely enough, the resentment and the anger I felt towards my ex-husband mm. spurred me on. So I actually used the emotion of anger mm-hmm. as adrenaline. Again, I'm 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 literally like using drugs there because yeah, it is yeah. a, it's, it, adrenaline's a drug. So I was just finding it, finding that to motivate myself mm. to do X, Y, and Z. I have to get Gray back. I have to settle this I have to keep this money from him I have to get such and such but yeah. I have to settle this you know so I had adrenaline on my side yeah and because considering I wouldn't have blamed you if you had just gone do you know what <sighs> no and just I if you'd had that moment where you just went no well I, I mean I had when I came back from South Africa I had the support of my mum mm. and she was like come on let's let's fight this mm. the, the, you know and when you get a lawyer's letter on a Friday night and you think God, you can't say anything back until Monday. <laughs> Ooh. And that's, you know, that's when people crumble. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, lawyers are very bloody clever. They know I'm in early recovery and they know what will trigger me. And they're desperate for me to drink again, so I lose the case. You know, and that's how bad it gets. So on but the that, stubborn part of you goes, the stubborn part no, of me no, goes, no. no, 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 that's not happening, you mm. bastard. You know? <laughs> no chance. And that's how every divorce is, you mm. know. But now we're friends and, you know, we've got the most amazing son who's hilariously sarcastic. He's got the best bits of his dad, which is his humour and sarcasm, unfortunately. (laughs) And I do see his sideways looks and I think, oh, my God, that's David. But, you know, what can I do? But we've been through hell and back. I'm sure Mm. I put him through a load of shit as well that he can't stand. But, you know, in the end, it motivated me to to get sober. So, Mm. you know, I could have still been drip feeding myself alcohol another 10 years down the line and that would have been a living hell that's what that's what's inspiring is the fact that it really was bad and I like maybe I'm overdoing it but 
when you look at what was piled on you all in this sort of similar time, mm. it, it takes a strong person to come out of that. I'll tell you the worst bit is the postnatal depression. That is a head fuck. Was that the catalyst to the whole thing? Yeah, because I was, uh, obviously I was like depressed. I, I, when I say depressed, I was like, I wasn't generating any vitamin B12 for myself. I wasn't right. getting that dopamine. So I wasn't feeling motivated. I wasn't feeling that sunshine feeling. I wasn't feeling positive. Mm. I wasn't feeling creative. So, because that, that's what all those chemicals do for you. I wasn't feel, I wasn't manufacturing that on my own. Mm. Hence I was drinking. So when I put the drink down, had IVF and um, got pregnant straight away wow, now I've got to stop drinking mm-hmm. properly. Mm-hmm. So like the IVF more or less takes, <clears throat> takes around about 12 months, you know? And so you put the drink down and all of a sudden you're a little bit raw and then you think, well, it's okay, I'm growing a baby. It's fine, I'll be fine. Because then you read all about this mother's love and it completed me. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, you know, you're going to love it and everything's going to be fine and you're just gonna, you've never felt anything like it. And then you have the baby and all of a sudden you're terrified. Yeah. You think you're going to drop him you think you're gonna like um uh, not put the nappy on right you think you're gonna give him the wrong milk I mean I'd never had any kids around me I've no siblings you know and he was tiny he wasn't tiny he was a normal size baby (laughs) but to me I was like oh my god I can't do this I've got it wrong so and all those hormones are leaving your body and yeah and I didn't breastfeed which I didn't realize would give me that oxytocin that love bond no one told me about that they just said, oh, yeah, try breastfeed. If not, here's, uh, here's some formula. Boom, straight away the formula. And so I didn't get any of the oxytocin, which I desperately needed because of my predisposition to, mm. like, drinking and predisposition to sort of, like, an imbalance in my, my own hormone mm. levels. That could have that balanced me out. But no one told me that. So it just went on and on. So I don't bond with the baby because I've not breastfed. I've no oxytocin. I'm exhausted because I've no sleep and I've no dopamine. And naturally no dopamine, no vitamin B12. I'm on the fucking floor mm. with fear that this is what I've done and I'm screwed. And everyone around goes, oh my God, he's gorgeous. He's gorgeous. You're so lucky. And I just think, I can't do it. I've got it wrong. I've got it really wrong this time. And you probably, I'm, I'm guessing couldn't say that out loud no who can say that who can say that without the kid will be taken off you yeah wow I mean Jesus Christ you are trapped and so then uh I just thought right I'd just kill myself it's best off I'll kill myself and um and I just thought that was best Uh, I think we were in the house in Cheshire at my mum's house and I just took uh, some razors to my wrists oh geez so that is where and 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 I just thought that might either kill me which will be fine because I'd be dead and it doesn't matter and or because this is all super selfish Mm. or they will understand that I'm not right Mm. but the trouble is I've said the analogy before it's like screaming underwater Mm. that's how you feel you can't there's there's no words in the dictionary um i mean i'm armored now i I can explain it it's it's a suffocating claustrophobic feeling and you just can't explain it to someone that that this isn't right please 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 fix me and no one's got no one can fix you Mm. so you Mm. literally are underwater screaming or it's like being in a nightmare you know when you're trying to run away yeah and but your legs aren't working that's how you feel during the day Mm. and are you just think enough because you can't articulate it no one understands you'll be fine you've got the baby blues I'm fucking not <laughs> yeah. yeah this is worse you know and that's and so then 
of course, my old friend alcohol can come back in. <laughs> I was I'm not say. breastfeeding, so that's fine. You're right. So, you know, you don't have to do that for six months. And, uh, oh, a nice cup of tea. No, 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 not for me, my love. Uh, because it doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work. My body's used to harder stuff. And literally, I hit the bottle as hard as possible. And I tried to get up with a baby, with a hangover and stuff. And it just wasn't... It, Everything just got in the way. Mm. The timing was wrong. The medication was wrong. Mm. The advice was wrong. And then that's when I just said, I can't even be with you, David. Because he was trying to control me as well. Mm. So it was like, you know, come on, be a mom, be a mom. It's not working. So you, you said uh, the medication wasn't working. Were you put with like baby blues, here's some antidepressants? No, they didn't do that to me. No, as, as a medication, as in, you know, sort of things like have some vitamins, have this, right. X, Y, and Z. I'd never thought about antidepressants because how could I be depressed? I had everything. Mm. I had a nice husband, had lovely parents, had wealth, had, you know, amazing, cool friends. But internally, my mm. chemicals aren't right. But I'd never, ever thought of that. There was something wrong with me on a sort of like... A, on a chemical biological biological there was something wrong with me you always think it's it's your brain yeah you got to talk about it but fucking what i don't know what you're on about you know i just don't feel nice yeah i don't feel productive i don't feel full of self-esteem i feel like shit yeah and you know you just can't articulate it so you just blame yourself and then just you know the only thing that i knew that made me feel better was wine Mm mm-hmm the um, screaming underwater thing mm. is really interesting. I've spoken before in this podcast about being depressed and I remember distinctly what was like hysterically screaming at people saying, help me. And it, it's a bit like, this is such a weird analogy, but it just works perfectly. Have you seen Harry Potter? Yeah. Okay, so you know in the Deathly Hallows where he says, my dad's going to turn up in a minute and his Patronus is going to come. Yeah. And then he has to do it. Yeah. It's like that. It's yeah. like suddenly you realise you have to step up and you have to fix it. Yeah. But you feel very powerless, right? Yeah. Because you've not, you don't know how. There's no formula. Mm. There is literally no formula. But I, what I'm discovering now, there is a formula yeah. and it is scientific and it is about chemical balance mm. and it is about the food we eat and it is, and it is about how we move. And that, to me, is the gateway to sort of like clearing mm. your mental health. When did you, when did you come across that? Okay, so my mum got diagnosed with breast cancer a few years ago, and of course, uh, it's nothing we can do. Blah 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 blah. All this, and I just thought, what? We put man on the moon in the friggin' sixties. You can't save my mum, mm. and she's had breast cancer before. She had breast cancer when I was like uh, four years old, so it's always been on the radar, you know, that it'll come back, right. and. Um, in the end, uh, they said, yeah, it's out of control. And so I started reading, like we do. All of a sudden, you, you start to say, okay, it's an alkaline diet. I'm like, what? An alkaline mm. diet? Then I start looking at what foods are acidic. And you're like, sugar's acidic? Mm. What? And this is, so this is like four years ago. And I was pregnant. No, it's five years ago because I was pregnant with Asa. I was pregnant with number three. And, um, and I'm sat there pregnant, you know, huge size, size of what's eating haagen And then I'm reading... I'm thinking, oh my God, we are crazy. We're all slowly but surely drip feeding ourselves toxins. Mm. No wonder. Look at the dairy industry, you know? Then you start reading about women in Japan who have z- virtually zero breast cancer. Then they move to an American diet, boom, straight up. They've got like exactly the same as us, one in three chance of getting breast cancer. Guess what? They don't have dairy in Japan, but they do as soon as they move back to the States. And you just think, 
what the friggin' hell are we eating? Then I start reading about milk having hormones, putting mm. growth hormones, antibiotics. And I'm giving my kids this, you know, and we've got an obesity epidemic. Of course, because we bulk, we give cows diabetes before we slaughter them to get the weight bigger. And then we scoff it, mm. you know, and I'm like, so I've started getting this sort of like mania, which is so me anyway, <laughs> but it started there. It started with my mum getting diagnosed mm. and then we, um, uh, there was nothing that we could do in the UK. So my neighbour in London, she was Iranian and she said, there's a place in uh, Germany, uh, see if you can get her in there. So we, we got her to this, uh, this clinic called the Halvangen Clinic in the Black Forest in Germany. And their approach was totally different. It was intravenous vitamins, as well as chemo. Mm. And they were targeting this, this cancer. They weren't just putting it right the way through a right. body. They, were, they, they literally put a, a, a chemo through one of the major arteries that went to the actual tumour. And they shrunk it overnight. Now, um, my mum had been ill all my life. She had scoliosis, and that's eventually what killed her because they had to take some of her spine out. But that's a whole different story. But what I noticed that they were doing in Germany is pumping everyone full of certain vitamins, supports, mm. proteins. You know, not just chemo. Mm. They were balancing the toxin with the vitamins, with the food, and using that as a medicine. Right. Because I've always been, oh, just give me a pill, I'll be fine. Give me a pill. I'm very much like, you know, mm. like, let's keep it scientific. Yeah. And I've never thought of food as something that you constantly have have four times a day and in most cases about eight times a day mm. we're always picking aren't we yeah and it is a chemical it's i know it's food but it is it's mm. got and i'm just like obsessed with it that i think that that and like my 80s diet i had when i was a kid and the alcohol i had just ruined my equilibrium mm. my balance and caused me to be the way i am you know i've totally um destroyed how my brain function works because of what I've put inside my gut mm. and I like done it damage that caused this alcoholism and caused these behaviors well we were the first well maybe not the first but we were the generation of like processed food tv yeah. dinners yeah convenience microwaves low fat yeah oh yeah low fat everything high sugar everything mm -hmm. and look what's happened there's loads of us with mental health issues there's loads of us with ADHD mm. there's loads of us with Alzheimer's and I think we could be in a lot of trouble, really, particularly with the... I mean, look at how many chicken, fried chicken food uh, uh, takeaways there are. I mean, I live in Camden. There's 500 takeaways there. But, and I, I know, because I know, because I walk up and down there all the time. 500 takeaways, and it's not even a square mile, you know? And there's about two that are organic. Wow. So it's, everything has got antibiotics in. That's why antibiotics don't work. Everything's got growth hormones in. Everything's got sugar in. Everything's got salt in. And trans fats. And that's just a recipe for destroying yourself. But it's all the time. It's little and often. I mean, can you imagine? Just little and often. Yeah. Chipping away. Chipping yeah, yeah. away. It's just erosion. And then you hit, you hit like, burnout. Mm, I remember I went to... LA about eight years ago, nine years ago, ten years ago, something. I, I can't remember. It was only for 36 hours. It was terribly glamorous. Um, and <laughs> I hope you I, were private. No. No. <laughs> um, I uh, picked up that book, and I don't have it anymore, like um, how Japanese women are so stylish. or Anyway, um, it was about the diet. I can't remember what it was, why they're so thin or something. You wouldn't be able to get it on the shelves now because it would be so offensive and it would be fat shaming. But <laughs> one of the one of the chapters on there was about dairy and just and um, why would you drink milk when um, its purpose in life 
Forget about um, industrial farming, which I have a massive fundamental issue with. And Me too. Want to ban? I didn't even know because I look at a carton. You see a lovely little black and white cow mm. just wandering in the fields. You look at the reality. Mm-mm. My God, it's bad. And this has only just come to me because Meg sent it. Meg Matthews. Mm. And she had it on her Instagram. And I'm kind of, I mean, and you to Instagram, you know, just because me and my flippy, I can't even look at your magazine <laughs> without getting resentful. So I'm like, I'll keep that away from me. Like, I'm not looking at Heat Magazine. I'm not looking at OK and everyone's perfect life because I compare and despair and then I'll feel awful. So I've stayed away from social media. Um, but now someone said to me, I was having lunch with the girl. She said, well, why don't you do Instagram and just like, take pictures of stuff that you do mm. because she says it's too much for me to to just listen to you now just do Instagram. so I'd, okay fine i'll do instagram but i don't do anything else mm. just because i'm frightened that i'll get sucked into the vortex yeah. that is comparing yourself with other people who are fucking perfect the thing you have to remember about instagram is the feed that you see you can curate so you don't have to follow anyone you don't like exactly i follow people who make me laugh mm-hmm like Scouse Ma, hilarious. Mm-hmm. And also that people who are like doing things that like I do, like Spartan, you know? And I think, right, okay, come on, let's go, let's sign up for another Spartan race. Let's yeah. do that. Let's keep the engine running. Or people who are into diet or people who are into genetics. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't follow these jet set billionaire people who have, or basically I don't follow Kim Kardashian. No. Do you know what I mean? Because it, it's, it's no nutritional value to my life. Thank you. That's it. It is. You're right. Because it is what you, what you see. Does it's empty it, calories. It is, isn't it? It's empty calories. And, I, and, you know, I can't do it. I know I am sensitive to that sort of material. Mm. I don't like horror movies and I don't like comparing myself to, to people like that because it will sit with me. I can't watch horror movies. And I can't watch true stories that are really upsetting. Because my body can't tell the difference between fake anxiety and real anxiety. And it's in So there. I'm just anxious. What is the point of paying, what, 30 quid to sit in a cinema to feel anxious? I can do that, no problem at home. Thank you very much. Just to finish the milk thing in case this oh, is yes. right. What about the milk? The milk, the milk. What yeah. about the milk? For the love um, of God, the milk. Why would you drink something that is, the purpose of it is to turn a baby animal into a half-ton animal? Why would you drink that? I know. So, and the same with eggs. Like, if you think about what an egg is... Mm. Why would you ever eat one? I've just stopped eating eggs, right? And obviously I'm like, you know, it's like coming out of like the protein's good thing, you know, and mm. to be honest, we need both protein and carbs. Yeah. Um, <gasps> shock horror. But, um, oh, it's just the trend of demonizing one thing <laughs> one year oh, and yeah, another yeah, the for next. For sure, for sure, for sure. But um, I did like this, uh, a test, like a, a, a finger prick test and um, it said uh, egg yolk. And I'm like, you are kidding me. I said, I have eggs every frigging day because it's protein. It's go-to. Chuck some vegetables mm. in. Oh, and I could have got a perfect fast food meal. Mm-hmm. And my skin has got so much better after three weeks of not eating eggs. And I actually think I feel a bit better. I mean, I'm pretty much up there anyway, but I'm very much in tune with my body these days. And I think those pesky eggs might... Well, it said it was a stressor and I had no intention of cutting eggs out because it's like a, it's a protein go-to, isn't it? And I've taken eggs out and I do feel, and I look, I look a bit better. So I'm like, ah! but it's crazy. But because I was getting spots here, I mean, never having a great time squeezing them, of course, but <laughs> spots, you know? Yeah. And the only thing I'd increased was my egg consumption. How interesting. What test was that? Bioresonance one at Mary Reynolds. And oh, was that for her skincare? Yeah. And, but it's also for everything else. Mm. It said I've got uh, uh, echoes. It, it, I mean, I don't exactly know how it works. I'm going to have to go in and see her again and pick her brains because it was so easy to do. 
and it came up with these stresses, not allergies, just stresses, like uh, date juice, avocado oil, gluten, of course, gluten. Um, and it also said I've got an underlying Epsom bar, which is causing candida, Epsom bar virus. So that's my new thing, Epsom bar. <laughs> I'm all over that. So, you know, I'm going to start having celery juice every morning and all this palaver and getting into the medical medium. And But it's fascinating. That is fascinating. And it was, I mean, it... 250 quid is a lot of money. Mm. But to get something like that and you can implement it mm-hmm. for the next year is is great because I can waste, boy, can I waste money in Whole Foods. <laughs> oh, my God. Who can't, Olivia? It's just awful. It's like, it's like the black hole of Calcutta for me. I just wander <laughs> around. Don't get me started on Planet Organic because that's even better. Well, like we were talking before uh, we recorded, I and I, I know the listeners, if you've been listening for a long time, will know about this. Um when I started to piece things back together after, well, not after depression, during, on the road to recovery, whatever you want to call it, I went to go and see a gut specialist, a nutritionist, yeah. and I also went to see a hormone specialist. And the hormone specialist, Sahar, gave me um, a DNA test. Yeah. And that was fascinating. Amazing. That, right. And you and I had a similar thing of your body can take endurance. Yeah. But my muscle, my muscles aren't as responsive to weight work. So I get really bad DOMS, always have. Yeah. Just thought I was massively unfit, but it's just something to do with my muscles. Love a bit of um, long distance running. Yeah. And but don't do put you know, me in the squat you know what? That, that's a gift. If your body can do that, because mm-hmm. once you get past that 20 minutes, something clicks. Mm. Something, and you get like a euphoria. If you're listening to good music or a great podcast and you suddenly realize, bloody hell, I'm running and I've done, a, I've done like about 5K and I want to do more. There is nothing better, no drink or drug, and I've tried them all, is better than that because you know there's no come down and yes. there's no fear and you're only benefiting yourself and every cell in your body is benefiting. Whereas deep down, if you're knocking back a load of wine, subconsciously, you know mm. that there's damage and there's a consequence to this. And there, I mean, all we've got is a consequence. It's like maybe you, your knees might feel a bit bad when you're 70. I can deal with that. They hum a little bit when you sit down for too long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Click as you sit down. Oof. But do you know, I was just thinking as I was running today, if I can keep running way into my 70s, I mean, what's stopping me? As long as I don't do my usual thing and go hell for leather, like sign up for another fucking marathon. You're going to do those five marathons in the Sahara, aren't you? I mean, like, <laughs> I use hard type behaviour. Ultra marathons. <laughs> well, obviously I've looked at that. Obviously, obviously I've yeah. looked at the ultra, but I'm like, no, don't, don't be stupid, because that is a dedication. And I've not got time for that. I've got four kids. Mm. And, you know, exam week was last week. It was brutal, you oh, know. God, yeah. And like everyone needs your attention and you know, but so I mean, I've no, I've not got time to do an ultra. I'd love to, but mm. if I was in my twenties and I didn't have all the kids, yeah. that'd be amazing. But no, I've not got the time for that right now. You said about other people having your attention, but you de- definitely in your recovery gave yourself your attention. Yeah. And I have to put it first mm. before the kids, before my husband, before the, decorating the house, before mm. everything, I have to put my recovery first. And if that means doing a little routine, having a cold shower or something like that, that will take 15 seconds, mm. something like that, that will give my self-esteem that kick that uh, and my dopamine can engage, whatever it is in my body, if I've got that little ritual, mm. the rest of the day will be so much better for everyone else. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Literally, <laughs> apart from the road rage situation, because I don't get to exercise before I drop the kids off at school. So... Everyone in central London gets the brunt of me, the raw me, and it's ugly. <laughs> so know? if you do see Divinia, if you do see me extending her arm out of the car window, flipping yeah, the bees. with four kids looking shell shocked in the back, 
don't report me. <laughs> I just need to get to the gym. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I mean, do you, is it as simple as saying you've, um, what's the word? You've channeled your addiction into you. You've cross addicted. Oh, is that what it's called? Mm. Oh, they always say that, particularly in A. <gasps> you cross addicting. Like, whatever. So do they see that as a problem then? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, everything has got to be very uh, spiritual and let go and let God. And I, I mean, if I, ever felt the temptation to pick up a drink again I'd be straight back in I'd put myself straight back into mm-hmm. rehab and I'd, I'd try and get that god feeling but I get that often through running right like even on a rainy day which is imminent um I do get that feeling of euphoria that I found when I first found AA because you literally will cling on to anything and if that means believing in god that's fine mm. but now I've done more sort of scientific uh, research and mm-hmm. and I know ne- not necessarily it's my fault it's a it's a it's a chemical imbalance and some people find it through yoga. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B two B, and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B two B either. That's why if you're a B two B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. I'm not a yogi person. Tried it. Maybe it's for my future. But right now, I know I'm happy with movement and running and intensity and music and uh and laughter and I'm, You're in, I'm, I'm still a bit high I'm still a bit of a high person you know I'm not a, a, a very settled person just just yet but I'm sure it'll come my time will come but right now I'm I've cross addicted if you wanted to to say into a creative zone that I find through through activity and high activity you're an instant payoff you're an immediate payoff person I'm yeah. exactly the same yeah. I, I I know that if I do yoga for five years I'll be able to do a headstand um <laughs> But, Handy. <laughs> well, it looked great on the on the gram. Um, <laughs> is that what they said on the gram? <gasps> oh my god, I'm going to start saying that. Really piss my older <laughs> son off. He's like, stop being such a geek, mother. But I um I am very similar, and it has to be immediate payoff. Yeah. So I'm not going to book a course of facials. With plinky plonky music in the background, I want one mm. facial, and I want it acidic, and I want it to peel off, and I want it to do something fabulous and dramatic. Results-driven facial, yeah, it has to be immediate. I'm yeah, not, I don't, I'm not very good at playing the long game, but you are playing the long game with your body. Like you have got yourself, you've had four kids. Yeah, you look great. Thank you very much. And so I guess you've just that thing of putting yourself first. But if you look after your brain, right, which I do, mm. if I if I mentally put that first, my body follows. It can't not, because oh, physically I'm moving, and physically I'm only putting stuff in that makes my brain feel good. Mm. I'm not eating sugar, I'm not eating white carbs, because mm. it makes me tired. I fucking hate tired. Mm. I can be tired all the time. I've got four kids, you know, I live in central London, it's chaos, you mm. know? 
I can be tired whenever I want. And that just involves me sitting down, having a pizza, a load of potatoes, and I will be knackered. Mm. So what I do, I intermittent fast. I give my, my, my gut chance to, have you heard the word autophagy? Oh, I don't know that Oh, one. it's fabulous, basically. I mean, <laughs> I'm so boring. But I need to autophagize. <laughs> it is, literally. It's your cells dying off and renewing, and it's your gut that needs to do that. Now, if you're constantly snacking, mm-hmm. which incidentally companies like Kellogg's and Nestle invented little and often, snacking, 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 isn't good. Mm-hmm. You need to give your body time to sort of like have a die-off mm. and regrow new cells, mm. and that's why intermittent fasting really works for me, because I don't eat now till probably two o'clock when Mm. I'm ready to either wind down when the kids come back or I'm absolutely sort of starving. Otherwise, I'll just have some, like a a bulletproof coffee and I'm not hungry. See, I've done intermittent fasting. I try to to do it as regularly as possible, as often as possible, depending on work commitments. And my window will be 12 till eight. At night? So I start eating at noon. Oh yeah, yeah. And stop okay. at eight pm. Yeah. Well, but, you see, I'm a little bit later. Yeah. Because I've got Matthew, and he likes to sort of like have a little snack in bed, and he is a night owl. He's like a three o'clock in the morning person. Go to bed. Right. He'll sit up and chat to the wall if he has to. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, I need to go to bed. But that's our sort of quality time together. Mm. The kids go to bed like about eight o'clock. Obviously, you get a few little footsteps coming in at nine. But we'll. Uh, my favorite favorite thing is sitting in bed watching netflix binging of course because i'm still a binger yeah and like having a snack yeah and i've posted before i'm eating in bed and i've got you know people go what are you doing eating in bed oh it's my favorite thing ever <laughs> what about bed crumbs that don't ever become crumbs they are oh. bed crumbs <laughs> i can hoover them up <laughs> got, got a little dust buster by the side of the <laughs> yeah, bed just just me i've got four kids they'll find it <laughs> Um, the other thing about intermittent fasting that I definitely noticed, and if you, if I will give you many links to Dr. Rhonda Patrick, who is amazing on the subject, it also, um, it's been shown to increase endurance. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't stand going to the gym after eating. I, I can't stand it. I'm, I'm tired. Yeah. My body's really finding it hard to digest the mm. food and run at the same time and lift weights and do whatever. Mm. So my body... I've found can kind of do one thing at a time. Yeah. I'm not one of this multitasker superwoman. I can't be digesting and taking the kids to school and doing some homework and doing mm-hmm. some running. I need to do things separate mm. because I get tired. And maybe I've done damage over the years through drinking day and night and I've knackered my gut and I've got leaky gut and all that palaver. Maybe that's what it is. But right now I'm finding the less I do, the more, the the less I'm doing um, physically, Mm -hmm. like digesting, the better my brain's working. And I kind of need my brain. Yeah, that's, I mean, the benefits of intermittent fasting are many and varied. But I think what's really interesting is you talk about Kellogg's and Nestle inventing snacking, the idea of snacking. High sugar. Yeah. low-fat snacking so you really really crave about half an hour later and that was about um keeping your blood sugar level so your blood yeah. sugar doesn't dip between meals but what i think is really interesting i like to run and i like to run in the morning i haven't today because i was coming up here so i will run as soon as i get back and i won't eat right. before then yeah but what i find very interesting is how you exercise and somebody says what are you going to eat to fuel your body after you exercise i've not eat run a marathon i've not run a marathon i've not run a marathon i've done 5k round promo sale i'm fine mm. yeah i ate enough last night my body to use that as fuel and by the way i've still got excess mm. i'm not underweight in fact i'm a little bit heavier than what i should be for my height but i'm not going to get arsy but about you're that. lean muscle but i'm you? 
Well, I don't know. I've still got a bit of fat around me. I mean, I'm not how I would have been back in like 1825. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? And we, we've, we've all got this distorted sort of like, oh my God, you need to eat your blood sugar. You're going to faint. You're going to get the shakes. Bullshit. Mm. We've all got enough. No one's starving. Mm. I've hardly seen anybody starving, you know? Yeah. And I mean, of course, there are people who are desperately, desperately poor. And stuff. But like, you know, if we're talking about like regular people in the UK, we're, we're not really that starving and we do eat far too much. Mm. So I can't afford to eat like that. Well, eat half. I can't afford to eat organic meat because it's twice as expensive, but you only need like about two pounds of it. You don't, and do you know what? You don't need to eat meat mm. every day either. No. Yeah. There, there are ways to sort of buck the system, but it, it, for me, the worry Everything is... Everything is so subsidised by the government. The sugar, grains, all this sort of... The industrialisation of meat alone is massive. Mm. And it's, you know, it's... I was listening to a podcast with, you know, Dave Asprey, who invented Bulletproof Coffee. Mm. Um, he was talking about grass-fed uh, meat and, you know, humane um, cattle rearing. And we don't have any. We've not got any. Mm. Everything has been terrified before it dies. So there's the cortisol. Mm. We're eating cortisol, you know, in every single cell. And you think, oh, my God. Because for some reason I've got really into burgers at the moment because I'm watching Billions and it's all about Manhattan and everyone's eating a burger. So I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, talk about trigger. And I'm like, so I, I ordered a Five Guys burger and then I'm eating it and then I'm thinking, where the hell is this from? Mm. Where's, what factory has this come from? So now I'm on one of these missions to try and find a farm that will give grass-fed, hormone-free, antibiotic-free meat. Mm. And it's just not there. I think, oh my God, and we're told to eat high protein, but we're having antibiotics, hormones, and terrorised meat. <laughs> terrorised meat. shit. Yeah. So it's like, it's a catch-22, You try, and then you dig a bit deeper and you think, fucking hell, when does this end? I do find that with the diet wellness industry, that it is the thing of, you're told to do one thing, and then someone comes out a week later or a month later and says, oh, you shouldn't have been doing that, we should all have been doing this. Think about all of the diets that you can think of over the years that have been debunked. Mm. And so what does, it, what does it actually end up doing? We're all clueless. We're yeah. all confused. So I'm just going to focus on what makes my brain feel yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. You know, if I stay clear, focused, I know I've eaten good food for me. If I feel awake and energized. So if I'm knackered, I'll get myself um, a, a, a green drink or, or something like that. And I'll drink it and I'll see how I feel. Mm. And if I eat something that I want another one of, and I'll have a look at the ingredients. I'll know it's got sugar in it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm quite in tune with my body these days of what it's telling me. Did that come from doing the DNA test? Well, that was, that was kind of like, that's kind of kicked it off um, to tell me that I was an endurance athlete because mm. I thought that's rubbish because, you know, I can, I can do hit classes and I'm all very cool and I want to do barries and stuff. <laughs> no, dear, no. You need to put your ASICS trainers on and you need to go for a long plod. And that's what I do. And that does give me the benefit, you know. But um, I, uh, I mix it up a bit now. because mm. But that, I mean, what, what it told me, the, the DNA test sort of said that I've got a, a, um, a muscle group that just will get me fitter faster if I run longer and slower. Mm. So that, I mean, now I've got to my point where I think I'm going to get as fit as I need to be. Mm. And I'm there now, so I can mix it up. I can do a Barry's boot camp. I can do a long run. I could even, I could do another marathon if I felt like. I'm not going to, I don't think, because... Uh, Was it quite hard? 
Well, I lost my toenail. Oh my oh. god, it was so funny. So it wasn't funny. It was fucking awful. This is the London marathon. Yeah, it's this the London year, marathon. Last day of the year. Oh my god, right? Matthew had disappeared. He'd gone ahead like a gazelle. So, um, and I was running along the embankment. So it's the last sort of two miles, and uh, I felt my toenail pop. Oh. Oh, I know. And I knew what had happened. I looked down and I just, I, I couldn't see any blood. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to check it. And so I sort of like took my shoe off and I could, I could see blood. And this guy next to me in, in the crowd, really <laughs> excited, had a few like drinks, great day out in London, goes, come on, you're nearly there. And I went, I fucking know, I've lost a toe <laughs> Just checking. And he went, oh, right. Okay, next person, come on, you can do it. <laughs> It's like, please don't lecture me on how much I can do it when I've just lost my toenail. And it's summer and it's flip-flop season. I was going through my mind. (laughs) (laughs) I've got to get down boots and get a stick on. Got to get a stick on. I literally was like, you know, straight to Vietnamese nail place. Can you stick this back on? No, that's horrible. I'm like, wow. Okay. So that's my look gone for summer. Mm. But um, it was weird because I tell you what happened with me in the London Marathon. Um, A couple of weeks before... We're taking the kids, the kids away to Spain. So I've been doing some long distance running there and it was nice and hot, you know, yeah. so I was all climatized. Yes. And so I was doing like uh, 25K runs and stuff and, you know, kind of enjoying it. It, it, it. it was hard. Of course it was hard. It's bloody running for 20 odd K. But I was getting myself used to that long distance and my body used to it, basically yeah. my knees, my thighs, my everything. Lungs, everything. My, yeah, the yeah. whole shebang, yeah. yeah. And um, I did something, like a sort of stress fracture in my foot. Ooh. two weeks before the marathon and I got all my sponsorships and everything and I hobbled all the way to the gym where Matthew was working out and just stood there crying and he was like what have you done so I'm like I've broke my foot and we had to go and get we've got some cortisol injections in it the whole shebang literally went to the FA I know, I know a load of people in football I went to the <laughs> FA physio the, all of it I got strapped up everything and I said to the guy I said to the guy he was he's just just on Harley Street you literally works for the football association Mm. he said look I'm going to strap you up you've got the race tomorrow you might be okay you might not take ibuprofen wasn't your metatarsal was it remember the headline (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) no I mean they didn't know what it was I mean Mm. it was just like a little fracture I had x-rays MRI Mm. scans everything cost me a fortune ridiculous (laughs) anyway so I got strapped up and they said take ibuprofen so I did as I was running around, I had like a little pack and I'm just like necking Amazing. back ibuprofen. And then I'm having jelly babies, which I don't have sugar, do I really? I have fruit, but I don't have sugar. Oh, right. So I'm having... That's like nitrous. <laughs> it literally annihilated my gut. Finished. Was there a runner's high? No. Was there a sense of achievement? No. Because I'd done something to my gut that it wasn't used to that just stopped any happy feeling going to my brain. Oh no. So I just came back here and just wanted to watch telly. And that was it. That was my, I was so excited to have this wonderful sense of achievement. My dad had flown in from France and, you know, all the family was here and it was a beautiful day. We were going to have a barbecue. I just, I just want to go to bed. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming. See you later. Bye. Antique climax. And I thought, why was that so crap? I wasn't tired. I was physically fit. Mm. I'd ruined my gut. So literally the sugar. The sugar and the that- ibuprofen. Did you eat anything before the marathon? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I'd eaten. I'd had, I'd had like a full English, <laughs> you know, which was fine. And then like you, you start later yeah. on in the afternoon, you know, well, I've had a, a light breakfast. So avocados, eggs, some bacon, not, not nothing crazy, mm. no bread or anything like that. I mean, and I'd run. I, I knew I could do it. Yeah. But I was just taking ibuprofen and sugar 
which my body wasn't used to, and it literally upset my gut-brain axis, and I had a shit time and felt crap for three days, like a hangover for three days. Oh, no. What a waste of time. I mean, I raised some money, but how miserable. <laughs> I don't mind some doms, but not to have the runners high. No runners high. Just like, that's that then. Like that, that's that. Now I'm hobbling. Brilliant. So Real no flatline. F- Real flatline. No jubilation, no nothing, no joy. And I'm thinking, why not? Matthew's running around. Yeah, yeah, aren't I great? I'm like, he meant, oh my God, yeah, I'm invincible. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> so, and, and all I can put it down to is I'd, I'd just ruined whatever sort of gut yeah. brain axis thing. And obviously I start looking into that then and then I'm obsessed with the gut health. Well, and so you did a DNA test, you learned all of that stuff and now are you creating your own DNA test? Yeah, I'd like to. Well, I'm looking into it. I mean, I went down to Oxford University. I've got some, would you believe I've got some friends in high places. But um, I love education. I love your black book, FA. I've got a, <laughs> my foot's hurting. I know. So I knew, I'm so, in a cab. <laughs> so I went down to Oxford and I've had, um, I've, I've spoke to them about it and, you know, where the evidence is. And it's still quite, it's still quite uh, in its infancy. But the more I'm looking into it and the more behaviours I'm seeing and the, the more I want to do something where you have a... Literally, when you, when you start your journey, you need, you need to do a test. You need to do constant tests, I mm. think. And I think the price of blood testing is ridiculous. It is this a sobriety journey or just a Any health journey. journey. I mean, we're all under the same pressures, yeah. you know, and it just so happens. I mean, people might not drink to the excess I did because A, they can't afford it, B, they have kids and they don't have time, or you know, but they can mm. still feel as shit as I did. Mm. And they don't know why. Yeah. They don't necessarily have to hit a rock bottom. They could just tip her on till like the 60. And just like, bottle of wine every night, wake up, feel shit. Bottle of wine every night, wake up, feel shit. Do you know mm. what I mean? And it's like that ongoing thing. Whereas if you did like a DNA test and regular blood test, and you can see on your hormone test, because mm-hmm. as women, our hormones, yeah. oh, wow, there's something else, aren't they? They mm-hmm. are weapons of mass destruction. Oh, they really are weapons of mass destruction. They really are, though, aren't they? <laughs> If you got our hormones out of balance and you're stood next to a woman on the tube and she's pissed off, watch it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's so true, isn't it? Because, you know... And also, and I've talked about the hormone test I had and lots of people have emailed in um, a GP one, your local doctor, their tests are quite broad. So small imbalances, which can make you feel crazy because it's a kind of small imbalance that you might have at various times of the month they can impact, but you have to have a more detailed blood test. So it is an investment. Totally. And you know, I think we should be able, I think, I don't know, maybe I should go out there and invest or something, but we should all have like little home tests mm. so we can see our own <clears throat> level of normal. I mean, like my father-in-law had a heart attack not long ago. He's, n- he's never had his bloods done. And they take great pride in that. Never been to the hospital. Mm. Just had a heart attack. <laughs> what are your bloods? Oh, well, they said it's fine. It's all within. But that, that's within the national average. Yes. You might be slightly different. Your norm is slightly different. Like I've got really high cholesterol, and so did my mum. She was like a stick, you know. Yeah. And oh, and it, oh, cholesterol's really bad. Bring it down. No, actually, my cholesterol could be good for me because you've got good and bad cholesterol, mm. and every single cell in your body needs cholesterol. Mm. But it's what your norm is, not what Margaret down the street is, mm. you know, or Pauline in Sheffield. It's I'm totally different. Yeah. But that's why I think starting with something like a DNA test, like 23andMe or something like that, mm. and then you can start researching what, what's making you you and why, why such and such a gene's triggering X, Y, and Z, why you're not... Like, there's this brilliant sort of, like, diet called the methylation cycle, and it's all about this MTHFR gene. And <clears throat> people who find it really difficult to conceive are taking the wrong type of folic... Um, 
you know, uh, folic acid. They're they're taking the wrong type and it's causing them to miscarry. Um, They don't even test that in fertility clinics. I've been through the fertility route. I know Mm. it's freaking awful. Mm. And, you know, people aren't testing their own genes. They're testing, of course, they'll test your eggs. They'll do all that. It costs thousands doing that, but they won't do a 23andMe test. It's like 100 quid Mm. and find out what MTHFR genes, if you've got a faulty gene. You know, it's like... Why aren't we starting with the basics of the building blocks of life? We've already decoded it. Why aren't mm. we t- tapping into it? And it's crazy that doctors don't just do it for kids with ADHD and you just have a look at the roadmap and which way. If you've got a certain gene type, maybe you can't, like me, you can't absorb vitamin B12, so you don't feel happy and energised. So how are you able to get vitamin B12 into your body? Well, yeah, I mean, I eat well. Right. I eat extra, extra greens. And I think that's... the. Because, you know, if you take supplements... Mm. Um, Expensive we. Well, it, it can be, yeah, because food's far more complicated than we ever thought. It's much more complicated than taking a, 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 a vitamin pill mm. because a vitamin pill needs, like, the car to deliver it, yeah. you know? And if you've got a gene that won't accept it, it you're just going to wee it out. Right. So if you're taking it through spinach, which is organic and not covered in pesticides, mm-hmm. which is another thing that makes me laugh. <laughs> Matthew and I were talking. In, like, 50 years' time, we're going to laugh at this generation that used to spray its food with poison then eat it, <laughs> you know, to get rid of a bug. It's crazy. Yeah. But that, I digress. But we... Food somehow is so complex and has been evolving for millions of years, it can transport that vitamin to you where you need it, whereas a supplement can't necessarily do that. It's just a blanket attack, isn't it? Yeah, and, and you I, might just bypass it. Yeah, and I started taking vitamin B12 recently because towards the end of the summer, my energy level was really noticeably on the floor still. And I was like, I'm, I'm working out, I'm doing all the right things, and I still don't feel good energy. And then I started taking it and... Uh, my friend said to me, your pee's going to look like you've just peed out of Barocca. Yeah. And I oh, said, that's another thing I cross-addicted to. I was doing 12 a day once when I first got into sobriety. That's a whole packet, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't mess around. <laughs> yeah. I mean, then I realised how much, like, crap's in it. <laughs> of course. Good Lord. Mm. That's, that's a terracotta urine you're going oh, yeah. to cultivate oh, with that. Oh, yeah. But it got, people... me, got me through divorce. <laughs> Sober. <laughs> but the thing is, is this is another thing. I remember if I used to go into work, I couldn't do it now, but when I used to go into an office and I was hungover and it would be like, I don't know, 8.45 or something, you'd reach into your office drawer, you'd get two Barocca, plink plonk them into a yeah. glass of water or a Lucasaid. <laughs> a double whammy. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd think, oh, I'm doing good. Yes. You, that's the thing, is yeah. that you think that you're doing good. And I wasn't feeling very well recently. And my first thought was, what can I eat to make myself feel better? Yeah. And I realised it sometimes it's about not. Like intermittent yes. fasting is what you really... Yeah. That's what I feel like you really learn from intermittent, intermittent fasting is how alert you feel. Yeah. When you're not bogged and down that's, by that's, digesting. That's all I want to do is feel alert and bright and on, on the ball, you mm. know. And it's so hard growing up in a society of little and often mm. for you not to grab the next thing you know and yeah. that's why I'm so happy with like the organic sort of bulletproof coffee method I don't put butter in to be honest because I find it's too many calories and I'm not running a marathon mm. you know I don't want to put on excess weight just because I'm having butter but I do find I do find that bulletproof coffee does give me something to do and something to sip and because I'm very much I need mm. to be like eating I'm a picker mm. you know and it makes me tired and yeah. I didn't realise that. And you're right, you're so right when people say, oh, you've been for a run, now what, you, you, now what, you, oh, you deserve X, Y, and Z. Really, I don't, I just want to let my body just regenerate. Yeah. 
And it's crazy thinking, isn't the it? F- food is often the answer to everything. Everything. And, you know, you, we put it up there. And, I mean, I, I, ha- I have to, like, have my food at the end of the day to give me something to look forward to because, you know, it's mm. like, oh, what, what we... Matthew's a great chef anyway, so I'm like, oh, what are we having? You know, what, what, what can we eat tonight? And I, I have to have a reward at the end of the day, and mm. it is always food because, obviously, I don't drink or smoke yeah. or whatever. And, you know, it... It is still that mania for me, even though I'm intermittent fasting. I am holding on to. I have to have that at the end of the day. If I ate at the beginning of the day, game over. I'm mm. eating all day. Mm-hmm. You know, I've still got that mania around food, and I think because it's everywhere. Is it a mania around food? Would it could it, is it have easily have been shopping, or do you know what I mean? Like, um, I, I like I like the idea that food's going to do something physically to me. Right. It's going to like, um, I'm going to like increase my immune system. I'm looking at it and look at it more like that now. Increase my immune system, increase my, uh, my ability to sleep, rejuvenate or whatever. I'm looking at it more in a chemical way mm-hmm. and I'm happy about that. And it yeah. tastes good as well. Yeah. And it's fresh. And I also I like feeding the kids super healthy as well because yeah. I don't think that I should have healthy food. And then the kids that are growing <laughs> should have a load of flipping Haribos. Mm-hmm. And the amount of people that go, oh, God, that's awful. Why can't you let them have a treat? It's like, it's not a treat. <laughs> You, you, you know, you, you're ruining the gut. Yeah. And you're feeding them something that's going to turn into a, like, candida yeast overgrowth. And they're going to be craving it for the rest of their lives. Brilliant treat. <laughs> you know. But that's the thing. Food is an answer to everything. Feel ill, have, have something yeah. wholesome. Feel tired, have something... Sugary. Will, yeah, have something yeah. sugary. Always the answer to everything. It's the same with alcohol as well, isn't it? If you're in a bad mood, you have a drink. If you're in a good mood, you celebrate with a drink. And I notice that that's... That, that in society is like, oh, you poor thing, do you want a glass of wine? Oh, fabulous, do you have a glass of wine? You know, and we are literally so, it's everything is so accessible to us that us as like mere human beings mm. can't help it. I realised as well recently, because of the wedding I told you, I went to mm. a weekend where we were drinking champagne and I didn't feel well afterwards. I realised how actually there is the buzz that you get from wine is, is the thing mm. that makes you drink a lot more. Whereas actually, if I go out and I have a vodka, lime and soda, I probably won't have two because it's not, it's not the kind of drink that you can just... Oh, I could. <laughs> no, I've never been able no, to, so that's... No, but you're right, because I was never a beer drinker. I wouldn't get the same reaction to beer mm. that I would do from wine. I didn't get like that well-being feeling, that nice, calm energy yeah. that I used to get from wine. I would not get that with beer. Beer would make me feel a bit anxious. Oh, interesting. And so I don't know what the chemicals are or how it's been brewed or whatever, but wine was my go-to as well. That, that, was, that, was always, that was always the one that made me feel much better. It just loosens everything up. And yeah, and you feel a little bit better, a little bit more positive. And you stop tasting it, so you just keep drinking it, and it's it becomes... water. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, yeah. <laughs> but like I said, it just... It's, I, I've got to the point now where um, I just... I really feel like I just don't need it in my life. Well, I mean it, and I know we're coming from completely different angles yeah. here. But just in terms of productivity, and well-being, yeah, if it doesn't make you feel good, Been wow, it. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And it's so hard to let go of old habits. Mm. It's like you know, just like walking past like a load of Maltesers or stuff like that. You don't know that that's not on my agenda anymore because mm. I feel crap. And it's a, the lighter way to enjoy chocolate is not very light. Actually, it's like <laughs> it's like an hour on a treadmill. You know yeah. what I mean? It's freaking not. It's all marketing and we're all getting sucked in and we're all paying these people to make us feel tired and anxious and addicted. Mm. 
It's like we're coming up to Christmas now and how many people will be doing the Christmas shop thinking we'll get those chocolates and we'll get that treat. And it's not and it's the word treat as well. Mm. It's not, is it? It's not a treat. No. I mean with my kids they always want, oh, can I have ice cream, can I have this, can I have so we we make our own ice cream. We're just like I mean like an innocent smoothie or whatever but it's better than mm. giving them haribos and i'll just freeze it and they'll have it you know yeah. or, or something after dinner it's control I mean, it is having control over and i'm trying to teach them why it's not good so no look so why can't i have this why can't i have that such and such and that. So because it's not good for your tummy and it's not good for your brain it'll make you feel tired and angry and now he's slowly saying okay yeah i don't really want that and this is the seven-year-old mm. And the four-year-old, the five-year-old, sorry, he's, um, he, 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 like, he goes to his grandparents and he was like, you know, can I have a fruit shoot? And, why well, it's just, it's just sugary water. Don't yeah. give it them. Just because it says fruit, you know, just kicking off a, a dependence. Haven't they spelled fruit with two O's? Isn't that yeah, just a reason yeah, exactly. not to take it? It's just more anyway. marketing. I mean, someone's <laughs> been driving around in a Lexus because of that. You know what I mean? <laughs> You know, some marketing genius has just got away through every sort of like, every sort of like, jumped through so many like red tape just to do that. Yeah. And then the kids' teeth are rotting and the guts are, the guts more important. Yeah. You know, that's rotting and it's sending signals up to the brain. And it's, it's just like, you know, we've got to, we've got to stop it. It's, mm. it's a vicious cycle. I think it's really, I am very, uh, I admire the journey you've been on because it has been quite the, quite the roller coaster mm. and i'm observing it through the eyes of somebody who read the papers yeah as well as who is sitting in front of you now mm. and the the way that you have redirected and rechanneled it all it's survival yeah. basically it's not a choice it's survival and mm. it's me knowing how i stay sober and i'm for my kids not just mm. for my kids but for me mm-hmm. and to have a life that i'm proud of for once and i feel a little bit of a self-esteem self-esteem because it's quite hard i mean i've come from a, like my, my parents are super successful business people yeah. and you know to try and emulate that it's a lot of freaking pressure mm. you know there's, there's only one in like billions that can do what my dad did mm. and you know you're always in his shadow and you know it's like you know you know it's all right for you you've got this but actually you know you kind of doubt yourself you're born with a not a silver spoon with doubt yeah okay, can I match him no you can't you are joking aren't you no you, you can't because you you know I, I don't I don't have his brain and you know you often think oh, god I'm not good enough you're born that way there's no way I could be like him and um so often, yeah, the self-esteem comes into it. Yeah. And so if, if I do something that, you know, makes me physically better, it helps me get through life. And, you know, like I said, the compare and despair, mm. you know, I do do it all the time. Did you have a, a day or a moment or an epiphany when you were like, actually, I like myself now and I value myself and I rate myself? Oh, and that, I that, perhaps I, couldn't I, have said that before. Yeah, I mean, that happens every time I run. Right. Every time I run, I think, yeah, you're okay. And it's normally after about... Either after a, a big incline, so it's a level of effort, mm. or 20 minutes. That's that's the that's the clincher. The 20 minutes, something happens in my body, <clears throat> and I've heard personal trainers say it as well. Mm. That 20 minutes, all of a sudden, um, your body adjusts, right? And it, it goes from I suppose like a fight or flight feeling, and it suddenly levels out, and you suddenly go okay, and then the inner monologue calms down, and something takes over and I don't know what hormone it is but I just feel a little bit better maybe it's oxytocin I don't Mm. know 
It's interesting what you were saying about the inner monologue earlier as well, about how it doesn't matter what you take, it doesn't matter mm. if that's still worrying. So if I, like I was put on mega antidepressants, I was also put on bipolar tablets, which I don't think I do have bipolar because I've seen someone in a bipolar situation and I wasn't doing that. Mm. I was just screaming out for help. But um, uh, yeah, if you put on antidepressants... Um, my thinking was, good, they'll make me happy. No, they don't. They stop you from being depressed. They won't give you joy and mm-hmm. they won't take away that inner monologue that you say to yourself, whether, like I said before, if you're on the loo, mm-hmm. if you're on your phone, if you're trying to read a book or if you're in the bath or in the shower or driving the car, your inner monologue is still there whether you're on antidepressants or not. And that's what I found that was such so disappointing. Mm-hmm. And to a point where I was like saying to my doctor, well, shall I double up? Mm. you know well that make me better because my answer was to everything was more's better yeah you know you know like feel a little bit better we'll take two i mean that's kind of like the addictive yeah. behavior so i saw a funny post and it, it was about addiction it said um so the one addict to the saying to the other um it looks like they found a cure for addiction in this pill and the addict says, oh, I wonder what two will do, <laughs> you know? And that's like how I think. Yeah. Whereas I have to get myself out of that and I have to, I, I know I've found my, uh, my, my gateway mm-hmm. to health and that, that, that's by running and eating well. Mm. Not, just, just, not, not just eating well, you know, really frigging well. Mm. Like I only have whole grains and I'm trying to, desperately trying to cut out any antibiotics and hormones in, my, in the food at all, you know? And it, it all starts with just like reading the label. Mm. I tried to explain that to my dad the other day. We went to uh, we went for brunch together, and I, and you know he's seventy, and I'm like, okay, dad. His wife's American, and she's she's not into healthy cooking or anything, you know. And she's she likes maple bacon, exactly that, <laughs> exactly. And I said, dad, you know, you need to start looking after yourself. You've got two young boys, and mm. you know you're seventy. Oh, that means like learning how to read labels and then learning how to cook and learning how to shop and oh my god, I can't be doing with that. And I'm just like, wow, this is your life. Mm. People don't get it. And this is my dad. I mean, he doesn't listen to me anyway, but I was just like looking and this is like, this is a cross-section of society. Mm. They can't be asked to turn the label around. And you know, another thing about labels, you need a PhD in chemistry mm. and it's frigging disgusting the government allows that. Yeah. It should say, when sugar's sugar, not grape juice, not fruit juice, not from concentrate, not multidextral, n- n- none of that Latin, just sugar. Mm. It's sugar and it's going to be acidic and it's going to rot your gut and it's going to stimulate your kids beyond your control. And then they're going to have a come down and then they're going to be depressed and then you're going to be depressed and then you're going to want more. Why can't it just say that? Mm. Because probably the government are getting paid or something. My conspiracy theory. I remember making um, uh, sweet and sour chicken when I was at university for my housemates and you need orange juice for the recipe. And I came back with Sunny Delight and my friend Kate went, oh my God, you absolute idiot. <laughs> you know that's not orange juice. And I had fallen for it. I was like, it's from Florida. Of course it's, of course it's a Sunshine State. It's from Florida. Well, it's got oranges. Juice. Have you not heard the song? <laughs> <laughs> this is it, right? Totally. But she literally looked at me and was like, like I you can't mental. believe how stupid... I mean, she so was... you are at uni. How did you get this far? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is that's the topic of another podcast. But, um, but yeah, no, it's... it's um, it doesn't matter. You've obviously had um, huge life experience and you said something brilliant in one of your... Uh, another interview that I watched of yours where you said, you know what, if you are going to screw up, if you are going to do it to excess, do it in your 20s. Yeah. You got a chance to repair. Yeah. I mean, I know I've still got scar tissue from back then. I know I have in my brain, in my gut. 
I, I know I have. And it's not like emotional. I'm not talking about that. I'm yeah. talking about actual, I've frazzled right. stuff, you know. And because I, I did, I did everything to excess. And, you know, and so I'm desperately trying to make up for lost time. Mm. And if you didn't do it to excess, but still at it now, stop. Mm. You can. And just redirect. I mean, we're all, you know, we're all human. We all have like different triggers and it's so complicated. But if you start like focusing on, I think focusing on getting your brain functioning, everything else just slots into place. All of a sudden you start going, hang on, that doesn't sit well with me. That doesn't work. Mm. Maybe I should do that. And I'm doing Wim Hof, actually. That's my new thing. Oh, the Iceman. Yes. Kind of fascinated by him. Little bit in love with him. His uh, wife killed herself uh, of depression. She, she committed suicide, leaving him and his uh, boys. And so he went on like this um, mission to find out how you can control depression. And he's like, come up with the Wim Hof method. And it's Breathing. sitting in a cold bath. Now, you heard me before. Can we put the heating on? It's probably about <laughs> 80 degrees in here. The tropical plants have died. And, you know, <laughs> so I hate the cold. I'll make any excuse to not go outside when it's cold. And so I'm going to embrace it because he reckons it's the, it's, this is how we access. This is how we get rid of depression. Yeah. And a friend of mine, she's one of my closest friends, and she was the one who inspired me to go running. Now, she she needed rehab for running because she's ran all the deserts. <laughs> she's done ultra running, but she is fabulous. And she was the one who said, come on, you, you know, you, you, you can run, do it. And I actually, I owe my life to her, but I'm going to try and... She was talking to me the other day saying, is there anything else we can do apart from running? My knees are going now, you know. I said, okay, let's try this Wim Hof. So I'm going to do it in February in Camden. <gasps> I know. Is he over? Yes. Matthew booked it for me for my birthday. Oh. I got him a soda stream and he got me Wim Hof. Because I would love to speak to him. My, oh, really? my Well, he, my brother put me onto him because he had, he's been on Tim Ferriss' podcast a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, when I was... I called my brother at one point um, and said, I, I think this is now time. I think I need some help. And his response was, do you want me to get you the Wim Hof DVD? <laughs> Thank you very much. No, that's no, no, not <laughs> no, but, but it was a perfect response from him because it was like, I know this works. You just have to follow these breathing techniques. Because yeah. the there, yeah. there, there was a phase in my family where on the family message... They would, my dad and my brother were doing the Wim Hof breathing method. And oh, so they'd okay. just send videos of them holding their breath. And I was yeah. like, particularly my father, could you stop doing that? Because you're making me very, <laughs> very three nervous. Minutes. But I mean, I tried it. I was, in, I was in Spain and the kids were pratting around doing whatever they were doing by the pool. And I just thought, right, okay. I just watched him on like a, a YouTube channel. Yeah. And I thought, right, let's try this. So I did like <gasps> inhaling, <gasps> you know, to capacity, like for about a minute, yeah. getting as much oxygen in, into my cells, you know, so you feel dizzy, yeah. like a little bit drunk. I thought, I can get used to this. <laughs> this reminds this takes me back. And, and then I thought, right, I'll hold my breath. Normally I can hold my breath for like, what, 30 seconds or something. Mm -hmm. I'm not that good. I did like about a minute and a half. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, that is incredible. Mm. So he's on to something. Anyway, I will film it and I will get, get it sent to you. Oh, I'm so interested. I'm so anti-cold. I mean, I just hate it. It's just horrible. It feels I, horrible. I do cold blast of the shower I at do. the end of every shower. I do. It's and it, wake, it wakes it you up. It does work. But it's... I mean, the amount back of time... Back of the neck. Yeah, back of the neck. <laughs> or it, chest. It, it, it does work, doesn't it? Especially at this time of year, when when you put the tap to cold, you it's are getting cold, cold yeah. water. Not an LA cold. No. no, this is cold. Yeah, yeah, it's I, so I, good I, for I you. do, and I do like infrared saunas as well. 
which I'm obsessed with. Are you listening to or engaging at all with Joe Rogan? No. I think, right, the listeners will be... There'll be some listeners, I know exactly who you are, who will be laughing that I just said that, because when my brother came on the show and we were doing listener questions, we mentioned Joe Rogan about 15 times. Oh, really? But he has this... Do I need to know Joe? Yeah, Joe is... uh, Stand-up comedian, MMA commentator, but he has okay. people like Dr. Rhonda Patrick, okay. Wim Hof, and these people on his podcast. And he's and he in his um, studio where he records the podcast. He also has an MMA gym, naturally, um, just in case cryo chamber <gasps> and oh infrared gosh. saunas. And he'll often do Instagram like stories from the infrared. He's all about physical um, perfection, Bi- biohacking. Biohacking, yeah, love it. I love biohacking. I think it's brilliant because <clears throat> I've just taken. Um, where the gym where I go to has got an infrared sauna and I'm trying to get it up. I'm trying to st- stick with it for 30 minutes. And for, with the thing with an infrared, it's like, you know, you start off quite cocky. It's like, <laughs> yeah, this is nothing. This is nothing. Until you suddenly realise your insides are boiling and you right. feel like a 1980s meal for one in a microwave. <laughs> and you're literally like sweating. And there's some morons come in who wants to chat to you and you're such a people pleaser you can't stop talking because you don't want them to not like you but you just want to be sick because you're so hot and you're in the zone going don't talk to me don't talk to me but I've got to be polite because my mum always told me to be polite so with something like that in all seriousness overdo the infrared sauna and you can you know faint face plant all of that kind of stuff do you have to have a word with yourself and say i know you're going to want to take this to the extreme <laughs> so do 10 minutes less than your brain is telling you to yeah i have to could because what i'll do is i won't feel that sense of achievement because i've not i, I mean my fights with myself mm. you know um and I, I so i try not look at say uh, a time i've done when i'm running because otherwise I'll compare myself with me. I won't just compare myself with Paula bloody Radcliffe. I'll compare myself with me and I'll go, oh, you didn't do it, you didn't do it, you didn't yeah. beat yourself, you know? So I'm like getting rid of times and just trying to enjoy it. And if I feel like a little bit of a pace coming on, do it. It's what mm. your body's ready for. But I know I can... I'll talk myself out of going to the gym, but then I've now realised that's when I really need it. Yes, Right? Yes. The days when you're like, I need a day off is, is the day when you go, do you know what, brain? I'm just going to And then all go. of a sudden you kick ass on the gym and you're like, I'm going to do another half hour, man, and yeah. I'm going to do like a thousand sit-ups, which I don't do, but anyway. <laughs> but, you know, but that's where your brain takes you because you're freaking She-Ra. Yeah. All of a sudden, you know? It's I, incredible. So I'm doing the school run. <clears throat> Two of them are having a row. One of them's just spat on someone. Homework's <laughs> been turned up. Cyclist in front of me flipping police pulling everyone over and I'm late and I'm just thinking all I want to do is turn around go home make myself a massive big sourdough bacon egg butty and just watch Jeremy Kyle and feel fabulous (laughs) and that's like perfect you know sit there tail end of Lorraine feet up and that's it done end of day and no 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 and then I like right okay just and I literally I posted about before go on autopilot Mm -hmm. just get there pull up and you just say, I hate this, I hate this, I don't want to put one foot in front of the other and then just get on the treadmill and you're stiff or whatever mm. and then 10 minutes in and you do the best run of your life. That happened to me recently. I've got this app for um, uh, eight weeks to 5K and I've been building up my running, having previously done a half marathon. I've had this app for about a year and a half, right. by the way, because there's been so many mental blocks. I did like weeks four and five for eight months. Right. Oh. 
How annoying, right? Because then it's, it's in your head then. Yeah, it's totally in my head. And it's just added to the monologue, just to tell, oh, and you didn't do this as well, loser. That's what I put in my head. And then a few weekends ago, I was like, oh, I'm not feeling it, I'm not feeling it. But my brain, there's this weird thing that's been happening. So I put my phone on the, the treadmill thing and I go to choose my workout. And my finger, my brain has been going, do the harder one. Do one you've not done before. And I've been nailing them. And it's like, uh, 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 everyone, uh, guess what? Yeah. Steve at reception Tanoi. doesn't give a shit, but Emma would like to make an announcement to the gym. <laughs> everyone just stop what the hell they're doing because I am a winner. Yeah. It's true though, right? And it's the mental blocks as much as the physical blocks. But yeah. I think, it, I think we're all, most of us, right? Touch wood, I mean, we're all, but most of us are, you know, pr- pretty fit and healthy. And even the ones who aren't fit and healthy, that brain mm. is so powerful. It gets in the way yeah. so often. Have you did at any point during all of the stuff that you've all the work that you've done? Did you do the things about affirmation, changing the vocabulary you use towards yourself? Like, if you think about how you used to talk to yourself in your twenties mm. and during the dark times, is there, there a massive? Oh, shift? It's, it's it's still there. But now I have to do something physical and see that I've done it to try and dampen that down mm-hmm. because it's very very loud. Right. That, that, yeah. I mean, PMT, forget it. Matthew's like, oh, is it beat up Davinia season? Wonderful. <laughs> okay, you go and sit there and have a nice row with yourself. Because I find it really d- difficult to dig myself out of. I mean, uh, self-esteem in itself is just awful. And then, then, just to top it off, you get bloated. Mm. Your womb doubles in size. So yeah. you look six months pregnant. Your boobs swell. You, you know, I mean, you come out in spots just to top it off. Yeah, yeah. Just to top it off. Just while you're feeling shit, all of a sudden your and body your takes a metamorphosis into an overweight teenager. Fab. Mm. You know, and you just I've just got to remember, okay, it's just a couple of days. Mm. And then I'll be back again. But that's interesting because I think there's a lot of pressure, again, the wellness industry on turn that negative voice into a positive voice. But actually what you were saying a little bit is you've you've still got the loud negative voice. It's just that your positive voice shouts it down most of the time. Most of the time. Well, well, I mean, just because I'm physically doing something Mm. and I can hold on to, okay, well, you did that. So just give yourself a minute. Give yourself a break. And if I don't do something... Like, say it's on a Sunday and I've got all the kids and I'm doing a Sunday roast or whatever and I've not got out or I've not done a hit class, that voice gets really loud. Mm. And, I, and Matthew goes, just go for a run. Just go away for 20 minutes and then come back and be mummy. And it's just 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's literally how long a commercial in a in like a, a, a one-hour film yeah, is, yeah. you know? It's literally 20 minutes. It's nothing. And the park's just there. Mm-hmm. and Or a treadmill's just... I mean, it's just... Even in, even when I lived in the centre, you know, when I'm surrounded by traffic, I mean, mm. you can just you, you can just run. I mean, people get in your way, but <laughs> shatter them. My favourite time of running, and I don't run on the road as much anymore. I used the treadmill, but when I lived in Fulham, which sounds very glamorous, it was a very very um, shitty studio. <laughs> but running around Fulham, like Fulham Palace Road, the yeah. park, that was when I made strides, like literally from two k to ten k in no time at all. You do because well. It's so flat, let's not forget it's that. It's flat, but what, when I first started running, we lived uh, in Bayswater, mm. and um, that's got a few characters as well, <laughs> yes. And, uh, but we weren't too far away from Hyde Park, mm. so I'd, ju- I'd, I'd drop the kids off at school and, uh, and jump on at Hyde Park, wow. and it's, it's bigger than this park, it's, and uh, it's, another, it's another 2K. And I used to, like, I'd run past the palace, oh, freaking hell, it's all right for them in their palace, Brr, like that, and then sort of, like, run up past the... Um, 
the perimeter of the park and I'd have to stop, you know, I'd do like a K and mm. then I'd stop and maybe I'd make a few texts or take, I, I, I often advise people to stop and take a picture of something, mm. see it, you know, even if it is one of those psychopathic squirrels that we've got in London <laughs> that are all junkies as far as I'm concerned <laughs> and will attack you if provoked they're so streetwise junkie squirrels I think that's what <laughs> yeah, I'm going to call this episode <laughs> Divinia Taylor junkie <laughs> squirrels but it's true and um or you know so, I mean London's great for it but you know j- just just give yourself a break so you don't put yourself off mm. and then run again or stop and or, or like listen run for a song walk for a song yeah, run for yeah. a song walk for a song but as long as you do the distance and a personal trainer once told me he said listen if you stop for a couple of minutes your body doesn't realise it's still fat burning mm. you know it's still just because you're not doing like your best time like Mo Farrow it's never <laughs> going to happen by the way for any one of us listening I'm quite sure but um, we're never going to get a gold medal so why beat yourself up stop stretch look around get your breath yeah and then go again yeah and I'm like but I didn't do it I didn't do it in one go well of course not you just started freaking running yeah you're not gonna mentally physically I probably would have been able to but mentally I wasn't prepared to just keep going my brain kept saying stop stop that hurts your back oh your hair's falling down oh your gloves too tight oh your socks are you know and everything everything and then slowly you can adjust your gloves while you're running and slowly you can yeah. change your music while you're running slowly you're like I talk sometimes while I'm running you know and you know I can be on the phone while I'm running and but that a few years ago would never have happened yeah. but I just I for some reason I gave myself the break to be able to just go back out mm. and carry on and not push myself and then all of a sudden physically everything clicked yeah because if I'd have pushed myself mentally I'd have given up I'm either be the best or don't bother and I'm yes. very much a don't bother type person. And sack it, sack it, oh, <laughs> sack it off, I'm not bothering. And you're right, when you run, if your mind is louder than your body, you'll quit. And if you've For sure. seen that um, thing that the uh, speech Will Smith gave, I think it was at um, Nickelodeon Awards or something, where he said there is nothing that you can't learn from reading and running. Mm. He says... It's so true, right? Yeah, everything that you've... Any experience that you have ever had, that you will ever have, someone has already had and written about. Mm-hmm. And when you run, your vo- your head will tell you to stop. What do you think it is? Is it that dum dum dum? Like, is it that? Is it is it like shaking? I mean, I feel like it's like is it shaking my actual brain? Am I getting like is it the deep breathing? What is it about running that just like that does that that get that gets you that feel good? Because lit- I have taken everything to try and make myself feel better, and everything will work to mm. a point, but you will get a calm down. Yeah, but running doesn't do that I, what is it what i mean is it why, why do we know this i feel like this, what what is the physicality that makes me moving my legs and my lungs shaking up and down that makes my brain which i thought would probably be pretty still in that cranium of mine why is that getting a release it's it's more complicated than we think it's more complicated i do remember somebody explaining it to me or saying to me years ago when i was training for I was getting ready to run the marathon. I didn't ever really train. I was just running a lot. And then I thought, oh, I'll run a half marathon. Mm. Um, uh, I was on a photo shoot and the model said to me, the thing is, is that, and I was telling her there were some things going on and I wasn't very happy about a few bits and bobs in my life. And she said, when you run, you can't give that your attention. It's your heart and your lungs. And it's basically the sort of the core things that you need 
they're the ones you have to give your attention to so your problems like get survival, smaller. A survival switch. Yeah. So and basically your brain's not priority, your heart and your lungs and obviously oxygen. Yeah. To, in order to live, <laughs> I suppose it takes a priority. So, so exactly as you say, it gives you that release, it quietens that inner monologue because the inner monologue's got to shut up a little bit. Although having a furious row with someone <laughs> in your head that you're too yeah. scared, because you're too scared to say it in real life, yeah. that will get you over at least two kilometres. Easy. <laughs> I mean, I've been known to shout out, I'm like, I bastard, get got Tourette's, this woman, you know, just literally running around, really shouting my head off, but... I mean, there's some crazy people in London anyway. I really pale into insignificance <laughs> as I run past Primrose Hill shouting at the top of my voice. <laughs> You're fine. You're fine. Yeah, she's fine. She's Just dodging junky again. squirrels. That's my new yeah, favourite exactly. thing. <laughs> we are, my time with you has come to an end. We've um, spoken for ages. Um, but it's been really um, delightful chatting. It's really nice to get everything off my chest, really, because I, I never really have the opportunity. And that's another inner monologue that goes on. Yeah. Nobody knows that, and I want to tell someone this, you know. I mean, it's good. It's nice to have the... Thank you for, very much for giving me the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Well, I mean, you're, you're never going to be... The headlines are never going to be the truth, and there was a part of me that wanted to speak to you anyway, but also to hear for you to put your side forward and to hear the real story. <laughs> Yeah, which is still evolving. Yeah, exactly. I'll probably speak to you in 10 years. So I go, oh, it's all about yoga and Tibet and uh, God knows what. I'm here but, for it. But right now it's not. <laughs> I'm here for it. I just can't wait for Wim Hof. Oh, I know. I will keep you posted. Thank you so much. I'll obviously put all the links to your social media, your gram in the show notes <laughs> and everything and anything else that we've discussed. So cool. But honestly, thank you so much. Thank you, Emma. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Before you leave, I just wanted to remind you that if you wanted to get in touch with the show, it's so easy. Just email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or follow me on social media where I am at Emma Guns on Twitter and Instagram. There will be a link in the show notes to join the closed Facebook group where you can chat to other podcast listeners about the show, other things, whatever might have come up, but we're having lots of chats over there. If you have enjoyed this episode and don't want to miss a, uh, a show, please do hit that subscribe button wherever it is that you might be listening. And if you do have an opportunity, I'd be so delighted if you could click five stars and maybe pen a couple of sentences about what you've enjoyed about the episode. It's been a delight to share your company. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting the podcast. I will be back next week with another fabulous guest. I will see you then. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.